Welcome to Sports and Stogies. Now, introducing your hosts, Cameron Winklewitz and Austin Hayes. Uh, this was a pack you saw laying around at Tip Top. It was gifted to us. I don't... No, so uh, Drew Estate sent these out to certain uh, shops and distributors um, for sale before they go live on June 8th. So I got mine at Tip Top, like 40 bucks. Um, four mystery cigars, all the same in here. Nice Drew Estate's lighter. That cigar pedestal you got in your hand. It's beautiful. And Solid. the lighter's phenomenal, too. lighter's fantastic. 40 bucks for a great cigar holder, a great lighter, and four sticks. I mean, they're smaller, but... It's nice a sampler. Yeah, nice sampler. That's a great deal. And a magnificent-looking box. And it's like um, like a like a pre-release kind of thing. So we're kind of uh, exclusive here. Yeah. I've got to say, I love the smoke so far, too. You have to dive right into it. Yeah. So, again, there's some Drew Estates. We don't have no clue what they are. Yeah, we won't know until June 8th. June 8th. They're going to release it. They did this with the M81 line. Released them early with no details. So people try to guess and figure it out. So this could be a totally new cigar. It could be a new blend of one of their other established products. Off the bat, let's get our first impressions here. I've got a lot more spice than I was expecting. I was going to say, a lot of pepper here. Um, just right off the rip, I've noticed it's definitely a heavier spice blend. Um... A lot of the earthy tones still, but that that pepper is pretty dominant here, at least in the first third. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a tough time getting anything under that off the bat initially, but so far, excellent burn, incredible smoke production and draw. Yeah, and these are super well sure. made. Yeah, but flavor wise, pepper, I do get some of those little earthy notes. Yeah, I'd be not sh- something I'd go ahead. I was gonna say I'd be shocked if these are still forty dollars when they release for four. We'll Just, be full size sticks too. Yeah. Well, and we also we got swag with it. Yeah, yeah. These are these are really nice. They're I'm really not, good. Well made. Um, we're all smoking the same thing, and again, we don't know what they are, so it's kind of like a blind taste test, which I love doing. Not having any resources to go off of. Yeah. Just your own palate and each other's opinions. Like black pepper. Yeah. Is that what you guys are getting? Definitely pepper. Some kind of spice. Yeah. Yeah. Black pepper. It, it almost seems a little spicier than black pepper. I don't think my palate's that advanced yet. You know, you mentioned like a Tabasco note on, yeah. a, on a previous You're kind of getting that? And I, yeah, I kind of pick up on that little... Like a hot sauce pepper. Like that pepper kind of, like they had the hot sauce spice. Yeah. Not, 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 not the vinegar. Strong, not the vinegar. That little kick. But the the actual, like almost like a Cholula, like how it's a good flavorful hot sauce and less on the vinegar. That's kind of kind of what I think here. I can definitely see that. Because it sticks around too. It does. It lingers. Yeah. Good finish. I don't know if you guys have had that uh, that chicken adobo at Chipotle, but it's no, nah, not yet. But it looks fantastic. It's almost like that kind of spice, where like it's it's got some heat to it, but like you do get a little bit of flavor. You don't quite you don't know quite what it is, but like it's there. Right. You know? it's, um, I want to see how it changes as it burns. Yeah, I'm curious. Now I think we're both pairing that with the same thing tonight: the blackened bourbon. Like in cash strength. Cash right strength. Which I don't think we've had this on the show yet. Not positive. Mm, uh, if we did, it was a while ago. Yeah, I got this down in Kentucky, so that was at least, I think it was in March. Yeah, so then we probably haven't. Early March. 
Uh, it's 115 proof. You guys know about Blacken, finished in black brandy casks. They pump Metallica music to it to agitate it in the barrels. <laughs> I know you said they have specific playlists. Were you ever, to, were ever able to figure that out? Yes, yeah, so this one is from Batch 132, so you guys can Google it. Black and Cash Strength, Batch 132. It'll give you the exact playlist they had pumping. In order. In order. Um, handpicked by the band. And you can see if you can taste some of those notes. Like if you get a little... Uh, I get some faded black right here. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, super super tasty. Very rich. Um, doesn't really feel like a total 115. For me, it's very smooth, which I hate using smooth as a descriptor. It's it, so like it, generic. It feels lazy. Yeah, like what does smooth mean? Yeah. It's so smooth. Like it's supposed to be. <laughs> But yeah, and like we've mentioned many times before, it's one of the few celebrity collabs that have worked out in a positive way, or at this level at least. Like, there's some out there that are good, but this is great. And for all we know, this stick could be something out of the blackened line. It could be, yeah. Could be, maybe like a black pepper. Rapper-wise, it's not as light to be a Connecticut. No, uh, yeah. I don't think so. Maybe a Habano, maybe a light Maduro. Maybe Sun Grown. But with all that pepper coming through, it does seem kind of have mo- yeah, like the Sun Grown. Yeah. Maybe Habano notes. I, I can't wait for June 8th. Yeah. I'm, to see how close we were, how their tasting notes match up with what we got. Yeah, and we'll compare side by side. We're going to write down our tasting notes and give it a grade like we always do, but we're going to be able to compare, see how well our palates are to the pros. And as soon as they release, I'm sure Greg will have some on hand. Yep. Like officially banded, yeah. wrapped up. Going back and telling you and what they actually see, yeah, are. They, how they compare. Well, with that, no folklore off the bat. Let's do our official intro. Pull up a chair. Pour up a drink. Light that cigar. It's time for episode 36. That was Sports really good. And stogies. Dude, I, I, I was trying to throw on the radio voice. and you I did. Think I, I think I hit it. He you said nailed it, it, man. He's got yeah, a pro he nailed it. Uh, but anyways... Here we are, 36 episodes in, not wavering one bit. I think this will be 40 total episodes then. Let's see, with Steve and Jamie, and then Greg, and then Patricia. Yeah, episode 40 of Sports and Stogies. Adding two more here very soon. Yes, absolutely. We are, what, two weeks away? On the dot from the it'll main be, event? It'll be a Friday. It'll be Friday night with Sean from Southeastern Guide Dogs. Yeah, but that won't release till Monday. I'm saying we're like two weeks away from the events. Today's what? The, is, well, today's no, the, is that next week? The 10th? Today's the 10th. It's the That's 19th. next week. So we're like so a week and a half away. A week and a half. Wow. Yeah. That's right around Fine. the corner. Long overdue. Dude, it's... I know. I'm super stoked. You're, you're what? Super stoked. That's more like it. But uh, anyways, back to the show, obviously. Um, we got to settle in here. We're, we're getting so overwhelmed with the mystery cigar. Uh, honestly, that could be it. Started off with self-promo. Absolutely. Um, as you guys know, reviews and rating the show is a very easy way to help us grow and get us in the algorithm. Um, we're going to keep pumping out the content on TikTok and YouTube Shorts. I'm assuming Austin started that already. Oh, of course, yeah. I got like 10 posted. Yeah. Um, but the goal for those is like one a day. And there's enough going on, whether you review a play or review something. 
where we can do one a day. It's not that hard. Something's always happening. Yeah, I can do just baseball. So, yeah, you could do baseball or whatever comes out. Let me know, and then you can do it, and then I'll do something else on TikTok. But he's going to take control of the YouTube shorts. I'm taking control of the TikTok. Um, as you guys know, Sports and Stogie is on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Instagram and Facebook are our main ones right now. Soon to be Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok, though, with t- YouTube Shorts, obviously. Still working on getting equipment. Laptops are expensive. Cameras are expensive. And then we have to figure out how we want everything angled. And I know Austin's a little bit of a perfectionist. We have to keep our shirts on when we record. A little bit. Uh, a lot of factors going into this. Plus, and, as vain as I am, got to make sure I'm looking good on camera. Yep. You know, make sure the, the gut's covered up a little bit. Uh, looking good. We got to be dressed appropriately. Like, we're going to be kind of dress coded. Because we... Oh, we, it's, it's a black tie affair. We want to look like cigar aficionados. Look like sports enthusiasts. Exactly. You turn on ESPN in the morning, Steve A's wearing a $4,000 suit. Yeah, dude. The, the Dickies and the white t-shirt's not going to fly for me anymore. I can't be wearing you know white beaters all the time. Well, no. I don't know. I don't think you'll actually be picked up on camera though, so you could probably wear whatever you want. That is true. Ah, oh, lucky bastard! You want to switch yeah. spots? Get fucked. But we also <laughs> have to buy Shane a new mic arm, so he will be able to be out of the way of that, or just an addition to the table somehow. Yeah, we got the arms. The arms actually fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, if we have well, a camera, camera, I'd, it's going to be in the back, so he'd be need to be off to the side. We we might need to get you a. Smaller table made. Call me crazy. What if we did like an anchor to the ceiling camera arm almost? Where it comes down about halfway? Yeah, and kind of angled down slightly. Because I don't think a straight on angle is really the move. Well, our our tripod sits pretty high. And we can also raise that up too. Yeah. Either way, we'll we'll get there. We'll cross that bridge and get there. All things coming in the near future. It's going to be a great summer for SNS. Absolutely. Um, we're definitely going to be getting out to events. Um, get your tickets to the Father's Day event at Tip Top if they're still available. June 17th. I know we've got at least 125 sold, which is about halfway. Uh, 12 to 5 at Tip Top Smoke Emporium here in Springfield. Bring your own lawn chair. And it's outdoors. Tents provided, so bring your own lawn chair. There's going to be food. Um, Aganorsa Leaf Cigars. And Crown Heads will also be there. Absolutely. Are we doing a, a live show there? That's uh, in talks. Okay. In talks. Um, I'm definitely not opposed to doing like Instagram lives, um, that kind of thing, and try and archive those. But since we don't, if we have the camera and stuff by then, I wouldn't be opposed. But if we don't, then Instagram live for sure. I would imagine that would be fine. Just a walkthrough, whether it's, it doesn't even have to be the whole five hours. Walk through, let you guys get to know everybody, that kind of thing, see what's going on. <clears throat> and we'll start early. So if that, piques your interest then well tickets will probably be sold out by then but you can drive by and look at us having fun (laughs) honestly i think it might even be cool if we can set up like a uh just like a random interview with people you know people come at their at their own choice just sit down talk for maybe like five ten minutes just hear what they got to say i think that would be that would be really cool be nice if papa kelsey makes an appearance yeah yeah that would be nice i don't know his Weekend work schedule or not, but I think he's just a Monday through Friday guy. Well, let's hope he's there. Oh. But I know Greg did say that the Agonorsa Leaf rep and the Crown Heads rep are down to talk to us. Awesome. Be a nice little 15, 20 minute interview with both of those people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, quick little that. 
Yeah. Big time. It's going to be a great big day. Time. Yeah, I'm super Should excited. Be gorgeous weather, too. Yeah. Not too so. hot yet, early June, <clears throat> mid June. Other than that, just the uh, main event coming up for the OCM and then our Gym City Bourbon Society interview coming up June 8th, also. With Mr. Troy, Troy Bowling. Bowling. Yeah, the owner, founder, I don't know what really he prefers. We'll find out on air. But probably founder. I mean, he created the group, and it's. he said it's just from our brief conversation I had a couple months ago, um, it, was, it grew exponentially, kind of similar to the OCM, where they weren't expecting that kind of growth. Just blew up really quick. And everybody's on board with their... They they do local Dayton charities pretty much exclusively, um, so it's a great way to give back to the community that you're in, and still enjoy great bourbons because I know they have barrel picks they get from X amount of different companies. I know they did a new riff, uh, and I finally figured out how that works. <laughs> so can you enlighten us? Uh, so we'll they save that for. The Troy show? Uh, he could explain it probably better, but how I understand it is there's this thing, uh, like a lottery. It's kind of like a lottery. You put in X amount of entries for whatever they're doing that month. I think they do one a month or something like that for whatever brand it is. And if you get selected, anyone in our group gets selected, they then take a group to the distillery and do a sampling and do an actual barrel pick. And then that entire barrel gets bottled and sent to a local liquor store in Dayton. And then obviously we know when it's coming, we, I, we don't necessarily get like first dibs, but we you get, a, you get a heads up at least. Yeah. We get a heads up and then members obviously that have the heads up can go in and buy it. And he will be able to explain it a lot better than I can, but that's just kind of what I've gathered. Got the gist of it. Yeah. Now, before fan question, I do want to mention, I kind of forgot, didn't write it down. Mr. Robbie Graham, owner of the Stogie Smoke Stop in Huber, had surgery yesterday. Went fantastically. Should have a nice, easy recovery for him. So, uh, great news from that. He's a great dude. Great shop. They're hosting our September 15th event, I think. It's my birthday. It's either 15th or 16th. Well, I hope it's the Either way, the first shop I went to, great dude, great knowledge, and great selection, too. Yeah. And so, also the first shop I went to, you took me there. It was, yeah. And hoping for a speedy recovery, uh, thoughts and prayers from the SNS Nation, out to you, Mr. Robbie Graham. Now with that, we have one fan question this week. Cam, do you think, in both the NBA and or NFL that we fire head coaches too quickly. Well, this is kind of where we only see that gripe from fans or people calling for the firing of their coaches. I think we do. Uh, NFL specifically, first-year head coaches, it's pretty much impossible to have a successful team. I mean, the Cleveland Browns fired Bill Belichick after his, what, first three years of unsuccess. And whether that's on them or that there's so many factors that play into the talent you have, the talent that you develop is kind of all on you. But if that talent pool's not very good, like look at the Texans, 
the Texans' talent pool just hasn't been that good. Well, that goes for any almost anyone taking a new position. Good head coaches don't get fired. So if you're a first-year head coach, you're probably inheriting a bad or at least average team. Correct. So, of course, the odds are already stacked against you to start off with. And then for the, for the expectation for you to be to completely turn around a franchise while gaining the respect of the players, getting a chemistry in place, being good in the locker room, keeping personalities undermanaged or managed, keeping all of those things in a new system, and then winning – the odds are stacked against you pretty heavily. You don't see many guys like Brian Dayball or Dan Campbell who come in and have playoff or you know borderline playoff seasons off the bat. Yeah, it's it's very uncommon. And like I said, it also there's a lot that depends on the front office. Like the Texans are the perfect example. What what have the Texans front office done, their GM or anything, to make that a place where head coaches want to go. Last year, a little different because they actually, we saw, you know, Damian Pierce is a really talented guy. They had great draft capital from the Deshaun Watson trade. Like they, they made steps in the right direction. So now upcoming, it will be easier for a coach to be semi-successful in that system. After a great draft, especially. Especially after a great draft. So it's kind of unfortunate that, like for Lovey Smith, wow, okay, you guys got all these talented players after you fired me. That's kind of messed up, you know? So just kind of how the cookie crumbles sometimes, though. And unfortunately, a lot of that blame gets pushed onto head coaches, which I also don't quite understand. Yeah, they're an easy fall guy. So what spawned this was, NBA-wise, there's only four coaches since the 19 and 2020 season that are still with the teams. That's Mike Malone, Eric Spolstra, Steve Kerr, and of course Popovich. The other 28 from just three, four years ago have all been fired or left. Moved around for sure. Either out of the league or the new team. Yeah. And I think the NBA, it's a lot harder to pin things on your head coach. Because in the NBA, it's more managing personalities than it is actually scheming and that's easy to do honestly you're scheming every scheme is for your best player or somehow some way your best player gets the ball and then the best player makes the decision on who's open so it's a very player driven sport where like the NFL is the complete polar opposite where you have to have a good offensive scheme you have to have a good defensive scheme and you have coordinators that help you out but you're also the one who has to manage the personalities, implement the schemes, make sure the chemistry is right for those schemes. And But, yeah, I think NBA coaching, it's, it's not a placeholder because we can see what well-coached teams do. We're right? seeing it right now in the playoffs. And Yeah, exactly. And, like, for instance, the Kings, they were a well-coached team, but – Coaching and experience also is what cost them the series. It happens. Whereas look at Eric Spolstra and the eight-seed heat. Exactly. Look at Doc Rivers. Can't believe I'm saying this right now. Coaching circles around Joe Missoula. Yeah. Darvin Ham and Steve Kerr having a great battle going on. Yeah. I mean, you can see, like, 
there's a difference between great coaching in the NBA and then just coaching, right? Tyron Liu, he's a good coach. He's not a great coach, but he gets the job done. And his player pool of talent makes that, I think, a very desirable spot to coach. Whereas you go to the Raptors and your talent pool, that could be a revolving door for a coach. And then you have the Bucks, who's a very desirable coaching spot where you just have to manage talent and make sure the right guys are doing the right things. I think, and it might be easier for me to say that scheming in the NBA is easier because I understand basketball like down to a foundational level. That's my preferred sport to watch. So I'm sure there's people that are going to be listening to this like, <laughs> football, hard to scheme? Really? Come on, man. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I think with NFL too, and not that NBA coaches don't do a ton of prep, but when you're playing once a week, a lot of your coaching is built into preparation, game planning for the upcoming matchup. Not as much in-game adjustments like you have NBA-wise. Yeah, not as much. Yeah, it's pretty much like you, your first half coaching should always be different than your second half coaching as far as adjustments go. That's kind of There's like a deadline where adjustments in the NBA are kind of on the fly. Play by play. Yeah. yeah. So that does bring a little bit more stress, I think. So I don't know. But, yeah, I do agree that we definitely fire coaches too fast. One year in any sport isn't enough to show if that's actually a good coach or not. Especially on a bad and usually a young team. Correct. Like, look at Houston. And look what – even, like, the the developmental – Things that Lovey Smith did, I mean, their quarterback didn't look bad. Damian Pierce was a very good running back. Didn't really have any wide receivers, and their defense looked pretty good. I mean, they were in a lot of tight games where with teams they should not have played good against. Not at all. Took the so, Chiefs to OT, took the Cowboys to OT, beat the Colts, and then tied the Colts. Yeah, and honestly... That's a feather in his cap. That team probably should have been like 0-17. Honestly, yeah. on paper. Yeah. And the but, fact that he's gone out of the league now. Did he go back to college? I don't even know, actually. Sure. Shane could pull that up. But yeah, very unfair to him. And I think they hired him initially knowing that he would be a one-year like stopgap. Uh, he probably knew that, too. Which is why he went out and won that last game. Yeah, exactly. He knew he was on his way out. But at the same time, it's kind of like... It kind of sucks. And he didn't really have the most successful coaching before that either. But again, look at those teams. The Chicago Bears in the last 30 years have been trash. Like if you put Belichick and sent him to like, let's say Tampa right now or the Rams, do you expect him to win 12 games next year? I mean, you probably, that would be like you would want to. And he probably could make that happen, don't get me wrong. I don't but. think, but at the same time, I think I think there are coaches that can bring out the best in players and take them to a level that we haven't seen them at before. Mike Tomlin's the perfect example. Well, I was going to say, like Dayball and Dan Campbell, and too. Dayball and Dan Campbell. It's, it's all about your locker room. If guys want to coach, want, want to play for you, it'll be known. It'll be shown on the field. And I think that's a, exactly what we had in Tennessee or Houston last year. I think those guys wanted to play for Lovey Smith. And I think D'Amico Ryans is going to have the same thing because, one, he's a 
played for the Houston Texans. He got a lot of backing from former Texans players, and I think they're going to be just as fired up to play for him as the Lions are Dan Campbell and the Giants are. But I also think last year he is going to – Lovey Smith had that same fire from his players. Or there would not have been those close games. Their defense wouldn't have played that well. Their offense wouldn't. I mean, we saw the Browns are the perfect example under Freddie Kitchens. There was not a single player on that team that wanted to play football for him. That was tough to watch. And it showed. We have the pretty much the same team. We had the same team the next year, except a few key positions. But they, it was a night and day difference. I can't find that he's even been rehired yet. Might be taking a year off. Yeah, I mean... Honestly, you can't really blame him either. I mean, oh, I'd go and he can, he's got a nice little retirement egg to sit on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's an older guy, too. It wouldn't shock me if he didn't feel like coaching anymore. I'm glad you mentioned the locker room thing. You look at all the great coaches and great teams. Bill Belichick. To the media, grumpy old guy. His players love him. Yeah. And Nick well, Saban, same kind of way. Popovich. Popovich, of course. I was going to mention him, too. Yeah. And that's Andy Reid, Pete Carroll. It's kind of how you need to treat the media. Yeah. Like. Oh, what happened? Why did uh, why did they get more rebounds than you? Hey, behind closed doors, we'll take care of it. Oh, they jumped up, grabbed the ball, and came down with it. That's more than we did. Definition. Yeah. So, and that's really good from a coaching standpoint. And I think Kevin Stefanski wants to do that. I think he tries to, but the problem is we don't ever see the improvement. Well, we haven't yet. But I also think that the players do respect him, and I think that they are going to play their best football, but we also have a lot of injuries. So it's kind Mm -hmm. of – I mean, we saw it with Jacoby Brissett. He had one of the best seasons of his career. He didn't do that because he didn't want to play. He got fired up somewhere. That's a fact. Now it is time for NFL, but before that, do you know what time it is? What time is it? We need a soundboard for like like a lightning strike. Like a thunderstorm. Whizball Wednesdays. Lightning round. Opinion based. Is that the name we're going with? Whizbang. Sorry. Whizbang was balls. Whizbang Wednesdays. Okay. And you came up with that how? Uh, Chad GPT. Coming in clutch. Absolutely. Don't know what it means, but it's provocative. Exactly. Gets the people going. It does. And it gets Shane's gears turning. Because this is Wednesdays, which we do our lightning rounds. Trivia Tuesdays and... Whizbang Wednesdays are going to be opinion-based questions. And you never know what's going to come out of Shane's mouth. You don't. Last week, we asked you the most overrated quarterback in the league. The last Wednesday. Last opinion Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. So two shows ago. Yes. This week, who's the most underrated quarterback in the league? I'd say Derek Carr. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I personally... a lot of... Bad rap, I think. He does, and I think he's that Kirk Cousins kind of style player. Yeah, I mean, he's a game manager. You know what you're getting, but I feel like because he's on a team with fans as vocal as Raiders fans, he got a lot of hate that he didn't he didn't deserve. We'll see if he deserves it now in New Orleans. Yeah, I think I'm excited to see what he does. I mean, he's still going to be a game managing type quarterback, but like in a division where that will probably get the job done where you can be eight and nine and go to the playoffs yeah i mean anybody's ball game i think he'll do well i mean i think he's still going to put up Derek Carr numbers he's going to do Derek Carr things so if you had to guess where he's going to finish amongst the top 20 quarterbacks where do you think that's going to be 18 
I feel like that's a little I low. I think that's low. You yeah. think that's low? Oh, uh, <laughs> I think you're underrating Derek Carr. Okay, oh, that's, probably, that's a perfect answer. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be top 10. Maybe top 15, but I don't want to get my hopes up for a top 15. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I respect it. I'll I respect him, the answer. And sometimes a change of environment can either Pump bring you, you to a new level you down. or I, you have a hard time adjusting. Who knows? I'll say that I wouldn't be shocked if he squeezes his way into the top 15, but I also wouldn't be shocked if he just barely lingers outside of it. That's a two hot takes right there. Yeah. You're really going out on a limb. I like it. Whiz-bang Wednesday. The first ever whiz-bang Wednesday. There's been some new schedule changes with the NFL. Which I like a lot. Should have happened probably a long time ago. We got a full rundown here. So we've got international games are going to be on Wednesdays on NFL Network and ESPN. Okay, I don't I don't hate that. Uh, select individual games will also be on Wednesdays with Fox and Friends and CBS Mornings. Probably more of the international games if so the, for the mornings at least. To pause real quick though, if you're playing that Wednesday internationally, are you having a bye week both before and after? Because you can't play Wednesday and then go play Sunday. Or play Sunday and then travel overseas and go play Wednesday. I think it'd be more of like... They play a Thursday night game yeah. and then go play Wednesday? Probably. It would have to be, right? Maybe like bye week and then Wednesday and then Thursday game? Or maybe they're not only on Wednesdays because it looks like uh, Good Morning America is probably a Thursday individual games on Today Show and Good Morning America. Those probably have to be international games also. Um, starting this year, Monday night football games can be flexed in the season. Love that. Uh, instead of just Sunday night, but Mondays is going to also be flexible, which is nice. Um, I think that applies to Thursday as well, right? Uh, no, the Thursday night football is still going to be locked in with Amazon. Not every team has to play and teams can play Thursday primetime more than once. Oh, more Broncos, baby. Let's, Let's ride. <laughs> uh, Monday holiday triple header. Uh, Christmas Day will be a triple header on Monday. First ever Black Friday game. The first ever Black Friday game. And that will stream on Amazon Prime. And on Wednesday before Black Friday, they're go- Amazon will announce which teams will play in the Black Friday game. So that's kind of neat. I do really like the Black Friday game just because that gives me something to watch while I'm at work. Again, yeah. Why haven't we had that? The day yeah. after Thanksgiving, whether you're shopping or not, you're off work. Most of us are, at least. Those of us you know, with unimportant jobs, unlike Shane, who's Correct. actually making an impact. Well, I, I was talking about Best Buy, but... You know, works exactly, a very important job. Uh, oh, Especially Black, Friday, Black Friday, you've got to be yeah. out there. Yeah. On the front lines. But you're sitting home eating leftovers. There should be a game on. Exactly. You just finished up Thanksgiving football, and now you got another game, and Sunday's right around the corner. Ah, what a great weekend. Oh. Yeah. And I think um, post-Thanksgiving, they start Saturday games as well. I think so. Usually yeah. it's right around November, December. They there's start no that. way we get Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday football. I'm thinking we are. I hope so. But there's That I, would be amazing. Oh, man. That'd be the probably the best week in football history. As long as the matchups live up to the hype. Correct. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want Titans Texans on Friday. The next rule I think is my favorite. Uh, no more network designations. Thank God. Uh, every game 
will be considered as what free agent games i think yeah is like what a yeah, free agency like a bidding system almost where in the past cbs aired afc contests except when an afc team hosted an nfc team and fox would show nfc games except when nfc hosted afc so now they're just going to bounce them around hopefully free it's for all whatever the better game is is on as it always should be and that's kind of what people look for when they're watching Red Zone. I was going to say, because I'm watching Red Zone anyway. Yeah. So for me, really not that big of an effect. But overall, I think I love the moves, you know, from top to bottom. Uh, and this should have a, definitely a big impact. Which we do pay for Red Zone, 100%. Well, yeah, you have to. Yeah, there's no other way to watch it. Absolutely Just, uh, not. Wanted to give everybody a heads up. That is a subscription you have to buy. Us here at SNS, we pay full price. Forever. Sometimes more than full price, out of just pure generosity. Exactly. We love the product so much. Especially UFC. Especially UFC. God, I love pay-per-views. There's no other way to watch. I can't exactly. wait to buy 289 for 90 bucks. <laughs> Neither can I. Card is On the plus side, we can split three ways now since there's three of us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah let's pump the brakes there. Well, two and a half. I think we let Shane buy the first one courtesy yeah. you know what and i would be so happy to do that because i just support paying 90 dollars amen for, brother for amen amen yeah yeah so do we have a list of the international games uh yes i know you do. mentioned it's kind of a hell of a lineup i am actually very excited for the international games this year i know, I know. last year they were kind of snooze fests but they've well, the, got a lot of potential this year the jags are the first team to play in london twice in one season uh yeah and they play back to back so as it should be, you're already over there. Yeah, Jacksonville will play against Atlanta on October 1st at Wembley Stadium, and then next week they will play the week after October 8th. They play the Bills. I think the pop in that stadium is going to be fucking massive. At Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which is a, another big stadium, not quite as big as Wembley, but also now, very. Now, if we large. have any. British listeners, you're going to get some flack. I think it's technically Tottenham. 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 Not Tottenham. Tottenham. Yep. It's also called soccer since we beat their ass in the World Cup. USA. USA. I'm not going to lie. I definitely thought you were going Revolutionary War. (sighs) Well, that too. Ancient history. It's like beating a dead horse. Yeah, exactly. Now we have another win to showboat for the next however long until another World Cup. Uh, Then in London again at Tottenham. Hotspur Stadium. Uh, these Titans and Ravens, some potential. It can be sneaky. Not as exciting. Maybe I think you the, get Jags, a... the Jags are a very exciting team to watch. And I think the Falcons, especially that early, sneaky. could be sneaky, but they could also be very boring. Because that's pretty early on for them to get their new chemistry underway and all that kind of thing. So, But Bills and Jags is going to be a banger. And then the first Germany game for this year for this year might be the best game. Of, this might be game of the year with depending on some circumstances. Commanders and Cardinals. Let's go, baby. Uh, unfortunately not, but it is the Dolphins versus the Chiefs. Tyreek Hill homecoming. Well, not really homecoming. It's a homecoming. Every time they play the Chiefs, it's going to be a homecoming. But if two is healthy, that's November 5th. If two is healthy still and they're playing great, 
That is going to be an absolute banger of a football like game. A 48-45 shootout. Hopefully. And that is in Frankfurt, Germany at the Deutsche Bank Park. Which I think is where the Bucks and Seahawks played last year. And it could be Deutsch or it could be Douche. It's definitely not, Deutsch. Not really sure there. <laughs> it's Deutschland. <laughs> and then uh, the following week, we have the Colts-Patriots. The Patriots tend to always play good football. And if Anthony Richardson's lighting it up like he's projected to, should be a good game. A historic matchup, at least. And it's not, not quite the star power we like to see in games like that. I'm not going to say right now it's must-see TV like I will the Dolphins-Chiefs or the Bills-Jags, but it very well could be. If there's one thing I've learned from last year, it doesn't need to be must-see TV for me to watch it. I watched way too many Broncos primetime games. I think you watched all of them. I, yeah. I did. Wait, hold on. You sat through all of them? Dude, Thursday night football was Austin's thing. Look, we, we were at work for half of them, so I mean, okay. of course you're going to watch there. But yeah, I'll be even at the bar sitting here at home watching the Broncos put up six points a night. Dude, I'm I wondering why I can't be doing anything more productive than this right now. Okay, so God... <laughs> it's kind of our job, though. It is, technically. Yeah. God bless him, my grandpa. Horrible with technology. And uh, he found out he that, only knows how to watch Thursday night football. <laughs> dude, I, I'm not even fucking kidding. I, I wrote him a tutorial on how to do it. He still couldn't get it. So I remember I got off work. I was already super fucking tired. I went over and it, it was that Broncos game where they put up six points and I set it up for him. And I was like, you know what? What the hell? I'll stay and watch it. Dude, I think I was asleep before he was. <laughs> dude, it was probably zero to zero going into halftime with. 150 total between both teams' offensive yards. That's pushing it. Dude, I'll tell you what, though. He was fu- he was fucking watching it. He was intently watching it. Is he a Broncos fan? No, he just only watches football, dude. Football oh, so and family just a, feud. Just a, wow. Yeah. That's a hell of a combo right there. That's, that's a phenomenal man. <laughs> family feud on the uh, the game show network on reruns all fucking day. Hell yeah. Uh, those and are then, very entertaining, though. Actually, no. Dur- during MLB, he will watch every MLB game that's on. Um, and then during football season, it switches to Family Feud from like ten to what six thirty? Kickoff, yeah, <laughs> ten to kickoff, and then football, and then like once it hits, I don't know, eleven, twelve, it's back to Family Feud. It's a hell of a lineup right there, isn't it? And that's if he's not asleep by eleven or twelve. No, dude, he pulled. Dude, I don't know how he. He's does not going to miss Family Feud. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> no, dude, not the one he's seen seventeen times. He has already. to watch it. This one's from 2009, and I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> He's got to know if the uh, the Carter family three-peats or not. Exactly. <laughs> that man stays up until like 2 or 3 in the morning just watching reruns of the Game Show Network after football. <sighs> what a, it's life. a great network. It <laughs> Really, out of all the networks out there, like Hallmark, not my thing. Lifetime no. Movie Network, not my thing. Comedy Central's really taking a downhill turn. South Game Park's Show Network's good. always been the same. There are three channels I will always watch if, like, I happen to turn them on and just kind of get locked in. Game show, Food Network, HGTV. You're not Ooh. putting A and E on there. Old A and E, absolutely. It, they're still airing old A and E. That's all they have. HG, I, you see, like watching them flip houses, huh? You know, I don't, but I I watch every time. Really? Yeah, you just like, can't help yourself. Yeah, you know, we're a 22 year old couple. Our budget's four million dollars. I'm a stay at home mom. He works at Walmart. <laughs> it's like, what? How are these people younger than me buying $3 million houses? Yeah. But I think, like, you don't want that. That kitchen's way too small. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Real true. You showed me this place. There's not even a pool outside. 
just wasting my time right now. Yeah, I I could see where that could be getting into it because it's more. You're not really watching the show for the show. No, you're watching for your opinions exactly. on their house. You're you're getting a tour of that house. Same with like Food Network. If you watch Chopped, I'm like, bro, you do not want to mix parsley with paprika. <laughs> what a rookie mistake. Meanwhile, dude. I'm eating a McChicken. Exactly. <laughs> I'm bashing a Red Baron frozen pizza. <laughs> I got pepperoni on my fucking wife beater. As I'm eating my fucking to- Tostino's party pizza, I'm like, you do not do that with pasta. Dude, Come you totally, on. totally overcooked that steak. Exactly. What a jackass. <laughs> I do way better than that. Yeah, I like uh, anything Guy Fieri. Oh, yeah. Triple D all day. Oh. Triple D, Guy's Grocery Games, all that stuff. Can never go wrong. No. What's a that, dream guys? guest for the show. Uh, Bobby Flay. Not a huge Bobby Flay fan. Really? No, not really. I think it's a good watch. Will they beat him? No. Fuck no. They never do. Never. <laughs> but I could, god damn it. <laughs> I just whipped up a stuffed grilled cheese. <laughs> All right, now back on topic. Um, anything else schedule-wise you want to go over? I think that pretty much sums it up. So then apparently there was a little investigation as to whether or not the commanders maybe tampered with Andrew Luck. Yeah, so apparently uh, 2022 they called every single team about their quarterbacks including contacting Andrew Luck. Now, Luck's camp denies any any contact? Correct. But uh, the commander said, I mean, the Colts said, like, if there was anything, we got to go after this hardcore. Yeah. Because if he were to come back... It better be for us. He's still our guy. Yeah. He's under contract, I think. I believe so, yeah. And, like, I know they were calling about, like, Justin Herbert, like, literally everyone, <laughs> trying to put trade packages together. I'm like, you do not have... <laughs> A trade package for Justin Herbert. Hey, is uh, Patty Mahomes available by chance? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, also, shop I saw a report about his. They're talking about restructuring his contract to make more than $45 million a year. Which is still a bargain for him. Yeah, it is. His current contract is a steal. That's, I feel like, why they're kind of restructuring. Yeah. I don't know. I doubt it came from him. I think he's pretty happy. They're a pretty successful team, uh, to say I the least. I think uh, <laughs> he's uh, pretty content. But... 50, 55 million. We've seen, like I've preached with the Jalen Hurts contract, we've seen it be team friendly. There's no reason for it not to be. And other news on contract fiasco. Perfect segue. There are reports from NFL executives coming out that Joe Burrow's denying the low ball contracts. Um, That's so much for team friendly. Yeah, the I have a quote from one of the NFL executives that says. The Cincinnati Bengals cannot get Joe Burrow signed. They wanted to get it done, but he knows that the Bengals' ownership group does not have the resources to build a long-term competitive team. Uh, it's not that they don't have it. It just I don't know if they're going to spend it. Yeah, that's uh, the Bengals every, are every notoriously cheap. It. If a team wants to spend, they can spend. This is the best time to spend. Why even risk insulting your star face of the franchise with not one, but apparently multiple low ball offers and run the risk of him saying, you know what, actually, I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah, the thing I saw said he's turned down like seven, which that's probably not true. Yeah, that's always it's probably not seven, but six. <laughs> if he's turning down any contracts that he's considering a low ball, just give him what he wants. I guarantee you it's – we saw what Lamar's contract is. We saw Hurts. We saw Hurts. 
give him five more million dollars a year than Lamar. And he'll be happy as can be. Absolutely. And you so made, will you. This is a team that made Carson Palmer the highest paid quarterback ever at the time. Now you have generational talent that could easily play well into his 30s and be successful with probably anyone and Jamar Chase. And dare I say already the most beloved Bengal of all time? Uh, he's definitely he's up, up there. there. Yeah. And he brought a whole new kind of swag to the team. You can't fumble this bag. He rebounded the entire winning culture of Cincinnati. Like, you got to give him money. The fact that there was even a lowball contract out there. And we don't have any details on these contracts. And this is just from a source that said this is what an NFL executive is saying. I don't know how credible, but it's a good talking point. It was not our same source from the DeAndre Hopkins yeah, you, you know, I really wish Twitter wouldn't have just let anyone have a verification check mark. Uh, I saw a blue check mark. I saw at ESPN, and I'm like, this is a this is a reliable source. <laughs> Maybe it's not actually ESPN. No, dude, it's probably <laughs> some guy that's just like chilling in his mom's basement, thinking it's going to be funny to like get people all riled up and shit. And it's pretty funny. He's not it, wrong, it, dude. He is a comedian. If he's listening to the show, he definitely got what he was looking for. Now, Absolutely. one more quarterback. I can't even really call it a controversy. Tennessee's probably going to let Malik Willis go. Uh, they historically don't keep more than two QBs on the 53-man roster. And you're not going to let Tannehill and Will Levis go, clearly. No. Yeah. Uh, he was a third-round pick, so you can kind of justify the capital wasn't really utilized where it's major to let him go. But I think he, in the right system, uh, depending on what team picks him up as a backup, if their QB1 goes down, he could probably be successful. We haven't seen a lot of what Malik Willis can do. No, they really tied his hands. Like They let him throw, like what, eight times a game, the games he played in. A lot of potential. Freak athlete. We just don't know the arm talent. Right. So we'll see, I guess, what happens with that fiasco. Has there, has there been a, I'm sure there's been worse. Is there a worse current three-dog quarterback I don't want to call it a race. That should be Tannehill's job. In recent history, probably Pickett, Trubisky, and Mason Rudolph. Was, that was rough to start with. That was rough to start with. But now Kenny Pickett's the fucking man. Uh, man, Purdy, Sam Darnold, and Trey Lance. <laughs> <laughs> Where apparently Sam Darnold, they're saying, has the best arm talent of the trio. Oh, I'm, I'm sure he does. Historically, I, mean, I think he can be, he can do what Brock Purdy did. I think. I don't think so. Uh, that's. I don't know. Maybe goes. saying he could do what Jimmy Garoppolo did might be a better way. But I feel like Brock Purdy took what Jimmy Garoppolo did and just made it a little bit better. Yeah. I don't know if Sam Darnold has the capability to make anything better. He can do what someone else did, but to make it better just doesn't seem logical to me i feel like they've got to just let lance give it a try and if it doesn't work out throw purdy back in i mean it worked for you last year no, i'm starting purdy are you starting purdy 100 percent. you got more capital on lance though you do you've got to get your value out of it or at least see if you can but then, you also saw how successful yeah, purdy can be if it ain't broke don't fix it so yeah it sucks lance got hurt and that's very unfortunate he's probably still a very talented quarterback but you just had a great run with a Mr. Irrelevant. 
talk about getting great value. He's not even on their cap hit. Yeah. It's literally no value. I'm rolling with what works. I I honestly I hope and pray to God Darnold doesn't see the field. What are we uh, did I say is that, something? Is that a fact? Yeah. You're I pretty. I don't like Sam Darnold. Well, well tell Sam, us how you really feel. Sam Darnold hater over here. Yeah. Notorious. Because I thought for a guy that's bad and hard to hate. <laughs> there's no reason to hate him. Yeah. He's just bad. <laughs> well, even less reason to hate the guy. <laughs> yeah, it's just, he's not on your team. I just feel like watching him with the amount of talent that San Fran has and watching him fuck it up would piss me off. I don't think anybody can go in and mess up what San Fran has. Honestly, I think that is the best spot for any quarterback in the league. It should be, but Sam Darnold. Well, let's talk 15 guys that aren't going to screw anything up. It's time for a way too early top 15 fantasy quarterback rankings. This is Show consensus. Consensus. Do you want to start at 15 and work our way? Uh, of course. Only way to do it. Number 15. Take it away. Fantasy quarterbacks this year, where these guys are guaranteed 100% to finish as a fantasy quarterback in these respective rankings. Number 15, Mr. Deshaun Watson. I think he has more upside than 15. For sure. However, with the improvement we saw over the six games he played. I think 15 is a very reasonable spot if he doesn't improve past that. Top seven upside? Top five? Top three if he goes back to prime to Sean Watson? Exactly. But, again, I, I can't see putting him over these other 14 guys right now. Number 14? This guy's a little underrated, some could say. Some would say. Mr. Derek Carr himself. Mr. Derek Carr. New system. 14. Not a ton of pressure. Should put up the usual 3,800 yards, 27, 28 touchdowns. Do for another another smoke here? Yeah. I want to give it a break. I'll probably hit it back when we uh, come, come back, back from a break. break. Yeah. I, like that. I just wanted to make sure you knew that was yours. Yeah, I want to cleanse my palate a little bit. Good call. See, look yeah. at this consummate pro over here already. You know. Whereas you dove right back in. The, uh, <laughs> Honestly, when... After we do these top fifteen, we're gonna do our. I want to, yeah, want to review that. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, um, I think we're all in agreement there. So um, 14, number 14, 14 Derek Carr, Carr. You know what you're getting there. And I kind of like him having Olave. We saw how he did. I mean, Mac Wilson was his deep ball threat last year. I think Olave is a better option for that. Mm, Mac Hollins. Yeah, Mac, Mac Hollins. Hollins. Yeah. Uh, but Olave, I think, is a better option there, and we could see the return of Michael Thomas. You never know. As I've said before, it wouldn't shock me if he just saw what the quarterback room looked like and he just decided, hey, oh my I got God, turf my toe. toe. Hurts. Sorry, Coach. Yeah. So we'll see. I hope Mike Thomas comes back and plays good, but that's obviously no guarantee. Number 13. A guy we're not writing off this year. Mr. Geno Smith. Uh, definitely top 10 upside, especially with the weapons there, but... There's a couple other guys that kind of have a higher rushing upside and better running or better wide receiver rooms that I think will perform more consistently at these elite fantasy levels. That's the key, too. Look at the numbers from last year. His first 9, 10 games, phenomenal. Kind of dropped off some towards the end of the season, but I think adding JSN, getting healthy Kenneth Walker back, should be a very potent offense led by Gino himself. Number 12. Take it away. I just did Gino. Mr. Kirk 
Cousins. <coughs> or Kirk Thuggins, maybe I should say. Could be. You lose Thielen, you which do. is unfortunate. You, you might lose Dalvin Cook. You keep Justin Jefferson, and you add uh, Scout's favorite, Mr. Jordan Addison. Addison, yep. So. Maybe even better. That is true. We could see a Justin Jefferson, Stefan Diggs combo because that is Addison's like comparison is Stefan Diggs. Yeah, same with Carr. Like you know what you're gonna get from Kirk. I don't want him as my main starting QB. No, but if I can pick him on a game where he throws 400 yards, seven touchdowns, and a 95 completion percentage, which happens occasionally yeah if he's on a if your main guy's on a bye week you play a two quarterback league or like a super flex league uh, i think him at 12 was very reasonable agreed number 11 mr aaron Rodgers. again probably top seven upside honestly he's got great weapons a great offensive scheme great defense we could see back to mvp Rodgers. obviously that's completely reasonable to say but based on last year and just going into a new system, it's hard to say he's a top seven guy right now. Um, I could, you know, just completely eat my words on that, which I hope I do. I would love to see the Jets be a very successful team, honestly. And they will be, but maybe not for his fantasy upside. I think he'll be slightly more of a game manager with Brees Hall and that running game back there. But he's still going to get... Your typical 35, 40 touchdowns. Great red zone guy. Last year was a fluke in that regard, I think, for sure. I agree. So, and again, new uh, new surroundings can definitely bump you up. And then number 10. The one and only. If he's healthy, Tua Tungabailoa. And again, upside could be top five, honestly. He was on great pace last year. Yeah, he was until he got hurt. And, but again, that, that injury concern keeps him out of that. I don't. I'm not saying he doesn't have that upside. He does. He could be. I, I don't think he could be QB one, but he could be top five easily. However, we saw last year. I'm hoping things improved. I know they're getting new helmets for quarterbacks with more padding and all that kind of thing. I've heard rumors that he might wear a washboard to keep his head from bouncing off. The, yeah, why not? But I think he's going to be a little less mobile. Because, obviously, with injury risks, that kind of... I mean, we saw with Joe Burrow his year after his ACL where he wasn't really super mobile. But it's obviously something that can be worked out throughout the season. But I think top five is pretty comfortable for Tua. Anybody anybody with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, you're going to put numbers up. Another guy that should put some solid numbers up. Number nine, Dak Prescott. Slightly better rushing upside than Tua. Slightly. Slightly, yeah. Um, However, their scheme should change. Uh, You've got one singular running back right now. Well, don't forget about Mr. Deuce Vaughn. Well, yeah. Not your third down back. Not your typical third (laughs) down back, at least. But um, the run game should be more solidified, barring injury there. Uh, I... I think top nine, he probably has top seven upside. Not much fluctuation upwards. I could see him slipping down to just in the top 15, though. This depends on if he can take care of the ball. 
I think over the past three years, he's leading the league in interceptions, or at least very close to that. Last year especially, didn't look that great. Threw like 1.5 a game. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I have a little personal bias there, but I'm not going to draft him. I know that. Number eight, Mr. Justin Fields. Again, this guy. Wild card. He's got top three upside just with rushing alone. I think he finished like six or seven last year. Yeah, so he's got super potential, especially with DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, and Chase Claypool. That's a solid wide receiver room. By no means bad, yeah. So if those guys stay healthy, then we could see this guy being in top five, top three, top two maybe even, just with rushing upside alone, just obviously speaking on fantasy here. So... Yeah, he's kind of a wild card, and I feel like uh, eight is a very comfortable spot to put him. Yeah, I think high risk, high reward. Yeah, if he's there, depending what your league is and how early quarterbacks go, you know, I think seventh, eighth, ninth round is pretty solid value there. And if quarterbacks start flying off the board, fifth round, fourth round, I mean. It just depends on your individual draft. Yeah, I think. exactly. Number seven. Some would say the most overrated quarterback in the entire league. I'm not one of those guys. I would almost put this guy higher again. Maybe some bias. Justin Herbert. New Oko. Whoa, a little fireball there. Hell yeah. New Oko, new system. You add in your pick for rookie of the year, I think. Uh, Quentin Johnston. Yeah, he was definitely up there. It's going to factor in if Allen and Mike Williams can stay healthy. If Eckler stays, that's going to factor in, too. Absolutely. But the talent's there. The system should be there. I think seven's more than reasonable for Jay Herb. Especially if he starts running the ball more, that he should be healthy again. Yeah. He scrambled a lot two years ago. Yeah. And was 100%. very effective. Last year being so beat up, he was much more hesitant to do so, which and is smart. Now adding Quentin Johnston, if he pans out like he's supposed to, uh, you really only need... Mike Williams or Keenan Allen. You don't need them both on the field at the same time anymore. Certainly helps, but yeah, you, you can get, get by with just one of the two. So that could help with them staying healthy, getting a lower percentage of usage. Snap share, for sure. Uh, I don't like it for either of their stock, fantasy-wise. No, no. But no, for no. Herbie, I love it. Number six. Mr. Trevor Lawrence. Uh, dominant last year. Love it. I think we're going to keep seeing that dominance, especially with the addition of Calvin Ridley. Um, and, again, the rushing upside on him. He could be also a top three, I think. So much versatility. And these, like, when you get into the top five, these guys all have number one potential. Oh, without a doubt. So it's kind of hard to really rank these guys. Once you get to a certain point. And I think we're going to re-rank each month leading up to the draft. Probably. Because yeah. we got, what, three months to go here? To the season kickoff. So we're going to yeah. go, each week we'll do a list by positions. So we'll go quarterbacks this week, running backs next week, top 25 wideouts probably after that. Yeah, probably. And then tight ends. And then as the month ends, kind of restart. As things get shifted, players get moved, our rankings are going to change them. Absolutely. Probably more in the – I don't think as much in yeah, the quarterbacks, the, the but the, seven other, eight. the other skill positions will change a lot more, I think. Number five, the still not paid Joe Burrow. Again, top one potential. 
we know what his fantasy value is. He could be number one. He could be number five. But like I said, with these guys, strictly fantasy. This is this is a fantasy segment. I want to make that clear. I'm not saying Joe Burrow is the fifth best quarterback in the NFL. But in fantasy terms. But in fantasy terms, I think top five is a very comfortable place for him, especially at that fifth spot, simply because the rushing upside on the four guys ahead of him are so much higher. Yeah, Burrow, super safe, very high floor. Barring injury, he's going to give you 30 a week. Pretty much guaranteed. Yeah, I don't think he's going to finish below top five. No chance. Or below, like, out of the top five. But I think these guys ahead of him are all fighting for the one spot simply because of the rushing upside they all have. Starting with number four. Hot take. It really is. It shouldn't be, though. It shouldn't be, but it is. Mr. Lamar Jackson. One of, if not the best rushing quarterback in the league with the best offense schemed around him to be a number one fantasy quarterback. Yeah, to maximize his his value. Yeah, especially for fantasy owners. Not only is it does he elevate his team to, I'm pretty sure, active. They've always been a top three AFC-seeded team when Lamar's on the field. Uh, that right there tells you what his fantasy potential is. When he's going to get you probably 200 to 250 throwing passing yards to two to three touchdowns there and 100 to 150 rushing yards with one or two touchdowns there every game, that fantasy value is almost unmatched at quarterback. The potential, at least. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I think his best comparison is our our number three guy. Number four. Number four is Lamar Jackson. Number two guy's best comparison. Yes. Number three is Joshua J. Allen. Superman. I think last year was a bit of a down year by his standards, both for real and fantasy-wise. Still finished great in fantasy. But bring those turnovers down, and he could easily have finished quarterback one. That's the main key. Kill the fumbles, kill the the red zone picks especially. Yeah. If you even eliminate half those red zone picks and turn them into touchdowns, he's probably finishing number one. And I don't see why he wouldn't change that this year. It's always room to improve, except for our number one. I don't think if he improves, then there's no way anybody else fair. ever gets number one. Number two, Mr. Jalen Hurts, the highest paid player in the league. Uh, second highest paid player in the league. Lamar is the highest paid player in the league. Oh, he took that. I thought it was backwards. Yeah. I thought Lamar was no, first, no, no, then no. Hurts. No, Lamar got two sixty. Hurts got two fifty five. Oh, that that five mil will get you every time. Yeah, <laughs> but Hurts. We've seen it two years in a row in his fantasy value. Uh, there's no reason for him to finish, uh, barring the guys, Allen, Lamar, or Burrow, just have insane years. There's it, where the top five are separated by maybe ten point differential at each respective level. Uh, there's no reason for him to finish outside of the top three. Any concern about his coordinator leaving? That shouldn't affect their offense. I don't think at so. All. I think Sirianni was the. Brains behind He's the got that locked in. Yeah. Number, number one, one. Uh, consensus, pretty obvious. Cooper Rush. Love it. I think he's sneaky. I think he's, again, a high rushing upside. I mean, his, name, his name's Cooper Rush. The guy's going to run. 
probably 25 touchdowns this year just on the ground alone. Okay, our real number one. I know you guys have been waiting to hear this name, and you're wondering, wow, this guy's got to be in the top 15, right? Russell J. Wilson. No, I don't hate that. Not for one, of course, but I think he could sneak back into <laughs> top 10, top 15. I know. It's actually Danny Dimes. Who? Sorry, Danny Dallas. That's more like it. No, it's actually Patrick Mahomes. As everyone, and I'm pretty sure this is consensus across fantasy, the fantasy realm as a whole, that Patrick Mahomes is the number one quarterback. If you draft a quarterback first overall, or first quarterback taken, and it's not Patty Mahomes, you should probably quit playing fantasy football. Honestly, if you draft Patrick Mahomes first overall, I'm not even upset with you. I, I don't hate that, honestly. Yeah. I really don't. You're getting 30 a week guaranteed. Yeah. For probably 17 weeks straight. No downsides. He's in in complete control of the game. Anything below a top three finish would be absurd. Would be a severe regression. And again, he might even get better. Who knows? Yeah. I know one of his complaints going into the offseason was they don't take enough deep shots. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) That's why you're not an NFL quarterback. He had like 5,000 yards, 50-something touchdowns, and like 10 picks or something like that. Sounds like a lot of deep shots to me. Again, I can't even do that in a video game. And really, there's no quarterback that has his volume. That's the key, too. He might not have the rushing upside that Allen and Hurts and Lamar do. Like, the only other quarterback that has that kind of volume, because they have legitimately no rushing game, would probably be Josh Allen. Or, Or Burrow. Burrow's got good volume, but... The rushing upside, kind of that I'm considering that part of their volume, where you know, Patrick Mahomes is probably going to scramble for 50 yards a game, probably a score, and just on top of 400 yards and six passing touchdowns a game. Nobody, and he's going to throw the ball 50 times easily, guaranteed. Yeah, because they don't run the ball at all. Plus, just Andy Reid's play calling. He'll give you one trick play a game that's going to hit for 60 yards. Pretty much guaranteed. A different play every week. So it you have it that might even be in. the same play every week. And it might work every week. What is it? The corn dog with mustard or something? Whatever the hell what, that was. Wasn't that one of the plays they named it or something like that? I think Reed just names plays after what he had for lunch that day. All right, boys. Brisket barbecue. Let's go. Brisket barbecue. <laughs> Which he probably has every day, actually. Uh, that famous Kansas City barbecue. Bacon cheeseburger. Draw it up, boys. Bacon cheeseburger. Hold the onion rings. Oh, no. He's going onion rings. Not on the burger, though. I think he is. I think he might, but I feel like there's times where he switches it up. Like, he might have a bacon cheeseburger six times a week for lunch. But come Sunday. But interchanging that, the onion ring comes off and comes on. <laughs> the only that's the how only he switches variable. it up. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, you know There's what? Guaranteed to be barbecue sauce, like probably mayonnaise, and then just a classic bacon cheeseburger. Dude, my bet would be that he doubles up on the onion rings. For real, that's oh, how he switches it going, up. No, he goes double. I think he goes onion rings on the burger, and then onion rings on the side as well. Nah, he's definitely like a curly fry kind of guy. You think so? Oh, Mozzarella sure. stick. Yeah. He, Mozzarella he, well, those appetizers. That's not lunch. It comes with it. He probably gets onion rings, mozzarella sticks for appetizer. This is solo lunch, by the way. <laughs> okay. He's a, he's a sampler guy. <laughs> yeah. He's got potato skins, he gets mozzarella sticks. Yeah. Maybe a queso dip. With he, a Diet Coke, though, yeah, of I feel like he gets full orders, too. Like It's not just the classic app sampler. Like He's getting a full order of boneless wings, a full order of skins, a full order of mozzarella sticks, full order of party table nachos. 
And he's like, man, I can't wait for that bacon cheeseburger to get. That, <laughs> that'll just finish it off. And a nice little hot fudge sundae At to the cap end. the night off. But obviously the Diet Coke for balance. Yes. Well, yeah, you can't go overboard. Well, yeah, dude, you exactly. got to stay healthy. got to be reasonable. Here. Exactly. Zero sugar, zero calories. He's, he's exactly. not a monster. Exactly. And clearly it works because the man's very successful. Absolutely. So that concludes our way too early fantasy QB rankings here at May 10th, May 11th. Take a little break, come back with Cigar Notes and uh, NBA. All right, episode 36 back after this. All right, welcome back to episode 36. We're going to go straight into our ratings of the Drew Estates whatever it is. The Drew Estates mystery. The freestyle. The freestyle according to the box. Cam, start us off here. So I'll start off with flavor profile. Uh, First third, pepper bomb, 100%. Second, third, I didn't really get a lot of pepper at all, and it turned into a very creamy, desserty, like vanilla and caramel swirl kind of flavor. And then the third, third, the pepper came back slightly, and I got a lot of natural wood kind of barnyard flavor out of it. I'm the same way, but I didn't have that the second that you did. Not as much cream. I got that barnyard earlier on. Pepper, prominent throughout, but I really liked it, though. Oh, I like really that, like the kind of tobacco, Tabasco spice yeah. we had going on. Love that. I'm with yeah. Austin. It, it, a lot of, lot of spice at the beginning, and then it just kind of those earthy undertones that you were talking about earlier just kind of came, you know, more prominent. Um, but I also think I might have missed out on that vanilla just because I, I smoked that thing fast. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, it's a smaller stick. It's going to burn quicker. Yeah, yeah. I put that thing away real fast. Um, all, all in all, though, I loved it. Yeah, it I mean, pretty, it was a great stick. Yeah. Uh, wait, I have my final Sports and Stogies grade. Let's go. <clears throat> Burn, 10. Draw, 10. Appearance, 9. Uh, it's a well-wrapped cigar, nice, slick, and oily. I had a, a little crack in mind that kind of deemed it from not being perfect. Uh, flavor, 8. I like the spice, but... And I almost needed the flavor change, though. Okay, to, to, yeah, to kind of change things up. Yeah. And then personal is 8.5 with an overall grade of 45.5. For a blind tasting, that's phenomenal. That's a must-buy stick. That's a fact. And it Whenever will we find out what it is. Uh, mine's very similar. Appearance of 9 as well. Again, it's very well made. One little seam, and I want to have a bigger size also. But for a 4-inch stick, maybe 4.5, um incredible very well built and great construction throughout like the ash was fantastic no um canoeing or weird burn issues so my burn also a nine one little relight probably my fault because you know doing a show as usual draw 9.5 no complaints there great smoke production nice smooth easy draw just a fantastically built stick flavor eight and a half it impressed me because i'm not a huge pepper guy but, I, again, I really enjoyed this one. Kind of brought something new to the table, especially because I don't smoke that many, like, pepper bombs. Maybe I'll, I'll get more into those. And then personal nine. So, for me, just slightly lower, 45 out of 50. And I'm doubling up now. Smoking a second one of the same stick. So far, same start. But I'm more used to the pepper off the bat, so it's not as, like, smack you in the face kind of pepper. And I'm doubling down with the Asylum 13... Maduro? I don't know what the... Um, that plain one should be the Maduro. Yeah. yeah. So, 
Very good so far. I'm probably not going to give this a full grade, but very good. Definitely a lot creamier. Yeah, these are the last two from the 10-pack that Greg gave us. And these have been, no matter the, the um, variation, the best ashes I've ever got. I smoked it halfway all the way down, one ash, and then second half, one ash. Nice. Fantastic. And that's happened like four or five times. I ash more so I don't forget to and yeah, drop one. for sure. So only for the show at least. You don't want to pull a Mike Zimmer. Correct. Um, so it's NBA time, but before that, hit that lightning sound effect. Not bad. <laughs> that works. That was actually that was a soundboard. Yeah, exactly. Producer Shane, lightning round. Can Austin Reeves be the legit number two option on a championship team? I could see it. I mean, the way he's been playing for the Lakers right now. In your now, opinion, yes or no? Then explain. Yes. Okay. The way he's been playing right now, it's been high-intensity games because, I mean, they were a playing team. No one expected them to go this far. At least I didn't. And for him to go out and I'm, I don't want to say, like, lead the floor, but, I mean, you've seen LeBron take a step back and just let him kind of do his thing. And for someone that young to be doing as much as he is right now, absolutely, I could see him being in the number two. And at he, times, he has led the game. Yeah. He has totally taken over. And yeah. he's actually 34. Is he really? No. Well, he just I was going to say, he's young as fuck. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I could see it. And with the way he's playing right now, I mean, he might just be the number two on a championship team by the time this is all said and done. That is true. It says a lot to have LeBron concede to you. In a playoff series, no less. Yeah. That kind of tells you all you need to know right there. Yeah. If he trusts you enough to kind of take over for a quarter, quarter and a half, this man could be, who knows, maybe a number one on a championship team someday. Very I was well going to say be. that. I was going to say that because, I mean, you think by the time he comes to signing a new contract, that's three, four years down the line, and we don't know if LeBron will be there. Who says Austin Reeves doesn't just go pack it up? If he's been at, if he averages the same that he has, if he plays the same way, I mean, if I'm a team and I see Austin Reeves out here dropping 20 points a game, I'd be stupid not to sign him. Totally agree. I don't disagree at all. Yeah, Good I think around. he's more suited as a third option role player, but I can definitely see him being able to step up into that second option role for sure. Is this his second year? <clears throat> that I'm not sure of. Let me pull that up. I'm is it pull that up. crazy to say, not that he's there right now, but is he maybe on the path of a Brunson in Dallas as a great role player right there, can take over a game, going to a new team, getting to be the guy or one of the guys, and really maximizing his potential? Kind of like that. I like that analogy a lot. I mean, this is his second year, so, you know, he's he's had a year. And he's a um, drastic upgrade from last year yeah. as far as shooting percentage, his three-point percentage, uh, his points. His confidence. His confidence for sure. His defense has been good. And, I mean, we're also talking about a five-minute increase for a six-point increase. Uh, what was that seven percentage on regular field goal and then an 8.1% increase on three-pointers? That's a pretty significant increase. Absolutely, and I think that I don't think the stat sheets really do him justice when you look at like career totals and everything, because looking on on paper, it sounds kind of crazy for me to say like a championship 
level team could have him as their like number two, number one when he's averaging 13. But he has so many intangibles, and the way he's shown up in these playoffs, I could see it without a doubt. And maybe this is just another kind of Jimmy Butler kind of guy who just kind of is very average throughout the regular season. Come playoff time, it's a completely different guy out there on the floor. I'd like to see him put up a little bit more in the regular season. You know, like 13 a game isn't the worst, but it's definitely not the best. He's a good role player. Yeah, yeah especially with his, yeah, they didn't ask him to put up 25 a game. You also have to yeah. look at his usage percentage, you know? Yeah. And with what he gets, he performs very well. Like I said, 52 fit. We'll round that up. 53% shooting from the floor, 40% from three. It might be at a low volume, but it's still very good. Absolutely. And this, the ideal role player. Gets the team going. Everybody plays better when he's out there. He's got that infectious, like, it yeah, factor, almost. Absolutely. That's why he says he is him. <clears throat> now let's get into some sad news. Nick Nurse got fired. Surprise? No. Not really. Uh, kind of the same as Coach Bud, who also got fired. But... That championship in 2019 kind of kept his job around. He was probably on his way out then. But that championship, just like Coach Bud, kind of elevated him and allowed him another couple years to try and do something else with pretty much the same team other than Kawhi Leonard. That's a big other than. It is. Well, when he's on the floor. (laughs) It's a fair point. Now, I think we both agree that those guys might just trade places. I could see it very well just doing a little flip-flop, pretty much trading head coaches. But J.J. Redick interviewed for that job. For Toronto. And so did um, oh, uh, Pop's old assistant coach, what's her, Becky? Becky Hammond. Becky Hammond, who has been coaching a very successful Los Angeles Sparks team. I want to say Las Vegas Aces. Las Vegas Aces, that's it. A very successful team there. So they have also requested permission to interview her. Anybody with Pop's blessing, you got at least interview. Uh, she was like a very good assistant coach. Very the, players, the players loved her and respected her, which is kind of a big thing. You got to win that first, I think. Yeah, if the if the players respect you and approve of you, then you can be a very successful coach, no matter who you are. Honestly, and I think with that, with gaining Pop's trust and the respect of NBA players already, it would be very easy for her to transition to the NBA from the WNBA. And she might not get this job, but within the next five years, I guarantee she has a head coaching spot in the NBA somewhere. Maybe she goes back to an assistant role first. Take over when Pop retires. I was going to say that. That'd be an ideal fit, right? Yeah. Pass the torch. But to be able to take his ways to another team that needs it could also be huge for whatever franchise she does end up coaching for. Now, I don't think she played the entire starting lineup 47 minutes a game. That is correct. But you never know. You never maybe know. They, maybe that was their call. Maybe Van Vliet said, I need 46. <sighs> Pascal said, I need 44. Maybe. You want to go over the all NBA and all defensive teams? Absolutely. Came out. I think and defense was yesterday. All NBA was today. So let's see what we got here. Uh, the all NBA first team. Again, these are now positionless, right? Yeah, I'm pretty or sure. Or is that for just... next year? It looks like they're not positionless this year. 
two guards, two forwards, two uh, center. So yeah, positionless next year. Um, for the first time in 19 years, LeBron does not get a first team vote, which is another one of those crazy stats like the MVP vote. 19 years. He's been in the league 20. That's absurd. But our first team, Giannis, the only unanimous first team All-NBA player. Well-deserved. Absolutely. Jason Tatum, not too far behind at 98 out of 100, or 92 out of 100. Uh, Joel Embiid surpasses Jokic to take the first team spot. Shy Gilgis Alexander led guards in first team votes, and Luka Doncic was right behind him. I'm glad they recognize Shay. I figured they would, but Shy. with a guy I've, I've heard both. I've heard Shay more than Shy. Shy. Well, SNS says Shy. All right, yeah, it's Shay. What is it? Shay. Could it be Shay? I. It could be. We we don't know. We don't. Well, Shane, get him on the phone. Uh, second team, you got Jokic. No surprise there. If he's not first team, he's going to be second team, no lower. Uh, Donovan Mitchell and Steph Curry are the guards. I love it. I think they both are well-deserved. You could argue that Steph could be a first team, obviously. Uh, Jimmy Butler and Jalen Brown finishing out the forwards, which I don't disagree with. Yeah, I think so far 10 for 10. And then third team, we've got Sabonis at center. First guard on the board, De'Aaron Fox. Second guard, Damian Lillard. Then your forwards finish out with Julius Randle and LeBron James. I can't think of anyone who got snubbed. Not off the bat, no. I think that 15's pretty solid. You can make a case that AD got snubbed, though. I could maybe, see... Maybe missed time factored in there. I could see you putting AD over Randle in the third team. I wouldn't hate that. Other than that, I completely agree with the rankings. I think that's the only interchangeable kind of guy. I want to say Brunson, but I can't make a case for the guys that made the team to kick one of them off for him. Maybe Lillard. Maybe, but he's just such a dominant player. It's hard for him. It's hard to beat that. Overall, I think they got it right. Now, next year, assuming positionless, Jokic probably first team too. Yeah, probably. Maybe a kick. Probably drop Luka down. Yeah, I was going to say, hate to drop Luka, but I think you got to put Jokic in there. Talk about two towers. Embiid, Jokic, same team, same floor. Do we have the all-defensive team? Can you pull that up, please, Shane? I do think there were some pretty big snubs here. Is that a fact? If I remember right, I don't think either AD or Giannis made first team. All righty. The first team... All defensive first team is Alex Caruso, Drew Holiday, Jaron Jackson, Brooke Lopez, and Evan Mobley. Caruso, the first white guard to make all NBA first team defensively since, I think, 1980. Wow. That's impressive. The Caruso. Kind of underrated guy. You really don't expect to see him on the first team because of volume. Also, just because, like, the Bulls are the Bulls. And they sucked. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't really see a whole lot of them. And then... The all-defensive second team, we have Bam Adebayo, OG Ananobi, Mr. Dylan Brooks himself, Draymond Green, and Derek White. Kind of shocking that we don't see Giannis here, or Marcus Smart. Yeah, Smart to go from reigning DPOY to not even making second team. Kind of of odd. Kind of odd. 
But I think you're missing out on the two best defensive players in the entire league in Giannis and AD. Definitely. And again, maybe time missed for AD factored in. Yeah, there's really no excuse for Giannis other than he was all defensive or all Especially NBA. to have both Holiday and Brooke Lopez first team when Giannis is still the best defender on that team. Yeah. A little weird. Very odd. Is there a third team? Um, I'm assuming. I don't think so. No, just the two. Not for defense. So yeah, Giannis and AD definitely snubbed. But all these other guys... I deserving. Mean, deserving. So yeah, it's it, it, kind of similar to the Randall AD... I could see you taking out Bam for Giannis or OG Ananobi for Giannis. But, again, these are guys that had very, very, very good defensive years. So Maybe Derek White stole some of Marcus March Thunder. Completely possible. I don't disagree with these lists. One Overall, of the, pretty solid. One yeah. of the few times I agree with the actual NBA results. And will these be positionless next year, too? I don't know if the even if they are right now. No, they're definitely not positionless. Two guards, two forwards, one center. Center. I don't know if the defensive team is, but I know the All NBA teams are next year. Well, before series breakdowns, Bronny James announced where he's going to school. USC staying right in town with Dad. There was talks of maybe Ohio State. Probably who paid him the most money, and there's no point in traveling across the country to play for one year, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, don't blame him. You're already comfortable there. You already live there. They have a great program. Yeah, absolutely. And real quick, too, I did see um, Hunter Dickinson, like the main uh, transfer. I think he was from Michigan. Went to Kansas, and he said the only factor was they are going to pay me a lot more in NIL deals. Yeah, like he was making less than six figures. And he got a lot of flack for that. I, I don't understand why. I don't think he's NBA talent, so get your money while you can. Yeah, I don't. why hate a guy for chasing the bag when you can? Most normal people that are hating would take a new job for ten grand a year. That's the exact post more. I saw then, yeah. So it's uh, like, That's what he said, actually, I think. Yeah, it's like, why are you hating on somebody for taking potentially $100,000 more a year? If anything, blame Michigan for not getting exactly. more money? 100%. But you can't be mad at him or at Kansas for utilizing their resources. I agree. But let's get into these playoff series breakdowns. Where do you want to start? We'll start in L.A. Uh, L.A. and Golden State hasn't been quite the battle I thought it would be. In all honesty. I know uh, the Warriors tonight were up at half. But so, yeah, right now mid-third quarter they're up 15. So they probably take it to three to two. Still a tough ask to close out the series. Yeah, game one blowout, game two reverse blowout, and then game three and four pretty close. And maybe you kind of blame one guy specifically for the Warriors coming up a little short in those <laughs> games. I know we have one guy that does blame one guy individually. <laughs> Jordan Poole. Expand. From going from being the third splash brother to looking like a footlocker employee that somehow found his way on the court, you've got to you've got to at least mention it, you know. I feel like if we saw Jordan pull from last season during this series, it'd probably be a completely different game. Well, and, I mean, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, when you're paid that much money, you're expected to perform at the level that you did before, and 
the way that he looked. Or better, yeah. Yeah, or better. And this isn't one of those cases where you can say that it's the team's fault for giving him that much money. I do think it's funny that you say performed as you did before or better. Or better. Because there's another guy that we like to talk about that wasn't perform as he did before. It had to be better. We don't need to talk about him. He's just kind be, of a little irony. Yeah, he's going to be in Shanghai next year. It's fine. Um, but, you know, you're expected to n- at least not regress. You Correct. Know? And he, it didn't look like he was going to regress. I mean, it was a steady uphill trend, and then he just fell off the face of the earth. I don't, I don't understand what happened. I personally said when he signed that contract that he got overpaid. So I, I think most players in that position do. I agree. Like, you've got guys getting supermaxes left and right that aren't supermax players. Right. But it's not every day that we see regression like this. Specifically in the playoffs. Yeah, it, yeah. it's tough to call it regression in such a small sample size. Because he played well throughout the regular season. So I think he earned his contract there. He did. But, but in the playoffs, he has not been at that level. And I mean, if he can turn around and, you know, play decent. What's he doing tonight? Yeah, what is he doing tonight? a good question. Now, he got a lot of flack for that 30-footer he threw up in the fourth quarter. But I know I don't think we really blame him as much for that. No, so he was definitely, one, dominating that quarter. And two, shooting the best percentage on the team at the time. So I don't disagree that the ball was in his hands. I disagree with where he took the shot. You could have taken a couple steps forward. And had a way better chance to make the shot. So, Poole tonight through midway in the third. Nine points on nine shots. Three assists. One of three from downtown. And 15 minutes. It's not bad. That's, that's, that's a bench guy. 15 it's, minutes. Yeah. Solid. But, yeah. I'd, well, hold on. How many, other, how many out of the nine shots has he made? Four. Four? That's Four for bad. nine is pretty solid. That's not bad. But, like I said... And, not to mention, um, Curry in go-ahead buckets in the fourth quarter late is like 0 for 15. So, I know you want to say, it's Steph Curry, just give him the ball. He'll make it. But, he doesn't, unfortunately. In those situations, it's kind of a shock. So, I think we all, as a collective, owe Max Kellerman an apology for saying he wants Iguodala. Hey, Max, if you're out there, can we get a... A group in sync. I just hey, want to say, we're, we're sorry. sorry. Even though I just learned about that like 10 minutes ago. I hey. still apologize. I probably thought it at the time. Exactly. It slipped my mind, you know. But I do think the Lakers close out the series in the next game if they lose tonight. Uh, biggest thing there is AD continues to be the best defensive player in the league, in the playoffs right now. Um, especially on the perimeter. They keep switching to get him to guard Steph or Clay, And it's not the mismatch you think. He locks people down. Yeah. Uh, super versatile defenders like that, like your Bam Adebayos, your Giannis's, your AD's, your OG Anunobis, like those guys who are just locked down defenders, there's no such thing as a mismatch for them or for you offensively when that person's guarding you. So kind of a weird... Weird thing to be confident with when that switch on happens. And you think through five games now, you would have kind of picked up on that? Maybe start going away from that? Well, yeah, the problem is now you can't stop the switch on. No chance. 
So, yeah, I don't know. We could see the first time in Steve Kerr, Steph Curry playoff history where they go down to a Western Conference team. And I think uh, we all agree that they will. I think so, too. And then no no one better than it being LeBron James's team. Of course. Why not, right? Honestly. He's like the only guy who's beat them in the playoffs, period. Well, you say LeBron's James's team or maybe Lonnie Walker's team? Uh, definitely a very underrated role player, honestly. And I think he kind of showed everybody that finally. But I've liked Lonnie Walker since he's been in the league. Yeah, I love LeBron said post game like for a guy like this to, you know, kind of be on the back burner through most of the year, most of the playoffs, to be a pro like that and be ready when your number is called and come up clutch. Next and man up. Pretty much not single handedly, but he won that game in the fourth quarter. Absolutely. Put it what, 15, 15 points. Yeah. Unstoppable. Just happens. That's what championship teams have. Guys like Reeves, guys like Walker, guys like Dennis Schroeder. Yeah. Who can come in, put in valuable minutes, make big time shots, take the load off LeBron and A D and Russ to Russell to a degree. Yeah. Agree. He's played not great so far. No. But when you've got guys that can come off the bench and put numbers up, you can get by with that. Your all your stars don't have to play good when you have people to fill the gaps. Uh let's stay in the West, talk about the Nuggets. Obviously not the clean, clean sweep I thought it would be. Uh, I do think they close out the series, though. It's 3-2 right now, and I genuinely believe the Nuggets will be in the finals. So, it's pretty much all I have to say there. Both teams are playing great ball. Michael Porter Jr. is playing great. Jamal Murray is playing great. Jokic is obviously playing great. Booker, Kevin Durant. I know Chris Paul's out game six now. That was confirmed. So... I don't see them regressing without Chris Paul. I think he's kind of their weak point, honestly. Aiden's been playing good as well. It's still just weird watching the Suns with Booker and KD both out there. It's a very stagnant offense, a lot of iso ball. They still haven't utilized KD to run any kind of action. Like watching especially the two-man pick and roll with, with Jokic and Murray and how smooth that offense operates, the Suns are the complete opposite. Oh, for sure. And like, I still like KD taking efficient shots, but there's no movement. Yeah, it's very stagnant, like you said, and that could that's going to be their downfall, honestly. Jokic put up what fifty three in Game Four, something ridiculous. Triple double in Game Five last night, and they probably close it up in Game Six. I'd bet on it. And you don't see the Lakers giving them any kind of battle, uh, at least it, not maybe a full seven. Not a full seven, I don't think, no. But I do think the Lakers do match up well with the Nuggets. So, the Lakers could go to the finals. Man. Who would have guessed that? AD against Jokic. It's a good matchup. Western Conference Finals. I like it. Who guards Jamal Murray? That's the only question mark. I mean, obviously they're going to play their switch on. But the problem is, if you put anybody else besides AD on Jokic, it's a mismatch. Yeah. Like, he needs the best defender on him. And the other problem with that is that probably leaves MPJ wide open, which you don't want to do. But sometimes you do because he'll wait for you to contest him. So <laughs> I have noticed that. There's that. It's like, dude, you, what are you waiting for? To shoot the shot. Doesn't matter. The same thing there, though. Great depth. Like, Bruce Brown playing great ball off the bench. He put up 20 the other night. If you're getting 20 points from Bruce Brown... You're going to win at least the series. 
Uh, for sure. If not a yeah. title. Uh, moving on to the Sixers. Uh, Celtics battling back. But I still think the Sixers close it out. I think we all agree on that. Um, they've just been, they're a little shoddy sometimes, but when they're on, they're on. And they look unbeatable. Harden pretty much single-handedly won two games. Yeah. And then you can step back and let Tyrese Maxey, let Tobias Harris, still playing pretty well. Oh, man. Not as good as the first round, but making valuable shots. No, I will never eat my words on that one. <laughs> what if he hits the game-winning shot in Game 7 of the Finals? Good for him. Anybody <laughs> could hit that shot. <laughs> if Tobias Harris can hit that shot, anybody can. I could can. hit that shot. Exactly. <laughs> or it's probably going to be like some circus shot that was just pure luck. But if it's a wide-open three, I'm hitting that shot. Five times out of ten. A lot of pressure there. Absolutely not. You shooting 50? Probably. Uh, Wide open, uncovered, set. I could probably shoot 50. You're a clutch kind of guy. Exactly. I can see that. Especially in the final three seconds of a fourth quarter of an NBA final. You're in that timeout looking around. Coach, give me the ball. I'm not even in the timeout. I'm standing in my spot. Because <laughs> I know where the ball's coming. Feet planted, ready to go. Ready to go. Catching a sick pass from Jokic. Or, or Jimmy Harden, whoever's team you're on, you're knocking that. And shot it, down. it better be a sick pass, because if it's not, if it's not a behind the back or between the legs, I'm not shooting the ball. It's I'm a, holding it, it's a letting the clock run out. Chest pass. That, the clock's running out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not shooting it. This needs to be a highlight reel. We're in the game seven, final seconds of the NBA final. If you don't throw me a nasty pass, uh, I'm expecting some sort of Steve Nash flashy pass, elbow pass, something. A little Jason Williams action. Something. If I don't get that, I'm holding the ball. Nobody then, else is touching you, it. It is behind the back, but you don't see it. Hits me right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Bounces off my face, goes in. I still made the shot, 50%. It's a hockey assist. Hell yeah. Um, how can these Celtics win this series? They're, their downfalls are just so unchangeable. Like They get comfortable. They take lazy shots. They play lazy offense. It's just kind of how it goes. That's why they lose. I think a big part, too, is Philly slowing the game down, limiting their crazy three-point volume. Yeah. That's how they win. You can slow them down, be efficient on offense, and then and beat on defense has just been unreal this whole series. Absolutely. That crazy chase down block he had on Jalen Brown the other night. Man's an MVP for a reason. And then the final series of the playoffs, the Heat-Knicks starting to turn into a wild-card series. Knicks won tonight. I don't really know what the... I'm not confident to say that he will win. I feel like up 3-1, I don't see him losing three straight. It's no. very hard to do. But <clears throat> We've seen it before. It's been a, been a weird series for sure. And I mean, the Knicks have always kind of been in that spot where especially playoff time comes and you're like, they could do it. They could not. They could. Exactly. But, and I yeah. feel like the Heat are kind of in that same position. Yeah, but the Heat are a little bit more, I don't want to say like seasoned, but like they've been there before, you know? Oh, that's true. But they've also lost there many times. That's true too. So I don't, I don't know. But Jimmy Butler is probably going to make me eat my words, come out, drop 67 on 95% shooting and close out the series and then somehow take the heat over the Sixers to the finals. <sighs> and then my prediction comes full circle 
That would be one of the greatest calls of all the time. The Nuggets Heat Finals. That you called six months ago now? Uh, bef- yeah, I think it was before the season started. Did you put money on it? No. Ah, Should have. He bet pride like a man. But that we can go back to our first outline of the playoff award predictions. But I will say the one downside is I do have the Heat winning. Like you said, Jimmy Buckets, you never know. And he is my finals MVP if they do win, which I think is... If they win, he'd have to be. He would have to be. Not old Kyle Lowry. (laughs) (laughs) That honestly would probably be my greatest call, but I still think the Commanders went upset over the Eagles was a better call. Maybe not given the circumstances, but just from pure like out of the blueness, it's up there. It's an all-timer. Yeah, I I really thought I was going to eat my words on the heat. Because they were rough in the regular season, man. But here we are. You get hot at the right time. Potentially going, they're probably going to the Eastern Conference playoffs or finals. Seven games away, four games away from going to the finals. Want to go to UFC? Absolutely. Not a whole lot here, but we have a pay-per-view to recap. And... Is it storming outside? Absolutely. Shane. Yes. Who's your favorite UFC fighter? Probably Sean O'Malley. It's respectable. I like that. Entertaining. He's very fun entertaining. Watch. Fun to watch. Great style. Great swag. And should be fighting for a championship next fight. Very soon. Yeah. So you're rooting for him? You think he's locked that in over Aljamain Sterling? 100%? It'd be fun to watch. You I don't think know, he I don't locks in that will. win? I don't know if he will. That's not an answer. Yeah. I'll lock it in. You want to? Maybe wager a couple cigars on that. Oh, that's just uh, not fair. Yeah. Right? Come on now. You're just swindling the man. No, absolutely not. Uh, Dude, that had the same type of energy where like you're real little and you walk up to like your younger sibling, you're like, I have four I have four quarters. Why don't why don't you just give me those two dollars and you can have four of these? That's fair. Is yeah. that uh, is that personal experience? He doesn't have any siblings. I have a cousin. Well, he made it sound like that was something I have a, he's definitely I have a cousin. done. I have a cousin. You swindled him out of $2 with four quarters? Yeah. The funny thing is, his cousin was like five years older than him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Aljo and Triple C. Uh, I didn't think it was controversial, but the UFC community seems to think it is. Yeah. Yeah, post-fight, I thought it was pretty cut and dry. I had no problems with the decision. Yeah, the only thing, like, one of the judges gave Aljo round five. I don't think he won round five, but I do think he still won three rounds. Absolutely. There was a lot of outrage, though. Yeah, however you want to cut him, he won three rounds, period. Uh, I think it's more so because people don't like Aljo. Oh, absolutely. They just didn't want him to win and said, oh, well, you know, Triple C got ripped off. Yeah, and, you know, all the million Triple C fans that came out of the woodwork. Apparently, after three years, he still got plenty. Yeah. But I also think... Triple C handled his loss like a complete loser. That's his character, though. He has been doing nothing but being a little crybaby on Twitter. And it cracks me up. when He's basically posted the entire fight at this point in full round-length clips. And I'm just, like, watching him. I'm like, I watched this already, and I know what rounds (laughs) Aljo won. And the first one he posted was round five. I'm like, we get it. You won that round. One of the judges misscored the other round that you lost. It happens. Now, he did look very good. He did. Especially after that, you know, that time off. Yeah, I think he fought great. 
and now he's whining about Aljo, you know, doing his crawling around on the ground. I don't hate that, though. I That's do. kind of a Bush League strategy. I think we should legalize grounded knees. Absolutely not. I think 1FC has got their rule set perfectly. It is, but it's not for a stage like the UFC. Why not? Because they're they're not you you need a way more strict rule set to have fighters for a long period of time. And that's what the UFC does. Their fighters fight for a long time. All right. Don't want to get knee in the head, don't go down on all fours. A lot of the times where he was down on all fours was after a failed takedown attempt or like we've seen John Jones crawl around in the cage. Nobody complains about it then. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fair, And it's I guess. not like okay. he was just dropping on all fours in the middle of the fight. It was always after a takedown defense or after he was getting up, like where you're usually on all fours. But it was just a little bit more extended. He's going to complain no matter what, though. I agree. But, I mean, I, I 1FC is very entertaining for their ruleless MMA, right? That's raw, cut-and-dry MMA. I get it. But for longevity of fighters, there's no reason to do that. If you want these guys to draw where Cejudo's, like, what, 35? Or John Jones, who's almost 40? Like, these older guys, Stipe. You want these guys (laughs) to draw for their entire careers. And if at one point you knock a guy down on all fours and he's in the process of getting up and you just kick him right in the nose. That's a fight game, baby. It's a very dangerous game you're playing. Either way, that strategy didn't lose Cejudo the fight. No, it didn't. He could have done more. And And maybe he could have. Maybe Aljo's defense was just that good and he showed it. He's a great defensive wrestler. He absolutely is. And there was a lot of times where, like, even in the clinch, Aljo was getting a lot of strikes off in the clinch, a lot of knees. Why wasn't Cejudo kneeing then? Why do you want your guy to be defenseless to knee him? Just take the shot. I think a main storyline, too, was Cejudo battled with the reach all night. Oh, Couldn't absolutely. Couldn't quite get it figured out. There was times where he did get inside, and it was working very well in he his favor. He wouldn't follow up a lot, though. He'd throw one or two and then yeah. kind of back back up and get out of that range. Like, he was also playing into Aljo's reach more than he was playing against it. And it was so weird to see post-fight, to see Cejudo, Aljo, and Sugar Sean all in the octagon with that crazy height disparity. These guys are all in the same division yeah. and look like they could all be in three separate divisions. Yeah, and Sterling towers over, or uh, O'Malley's towers over Sterling. Yeah. Hey, boys, this is a little off topic. Very off topic, actually. But uh, I, I got like a push notification and I checked it. And you remember what, two weeks ago now we were talking about the CBA rules and the 65 games for yeah. All-NBA. So under the new they rules. They upped it to 82. No. <laughs> Nicole no. Bridges, MVP. So Jimmy wouldn't have been eligible. Giannis wouldn't have been eligible. Lillard, Steph, and LeBron would all they have They have caveats. Keep that in mind. Yeah, but like 65, I'm starting to think might be a little too high. What do you, I mean. Uh, what would you drop it down to? I mean. 60? LeBron also was injured for a significant amount of time. And it's yeah. not like LeBron's trying to win MVPs right now either. Yeah. No, but I'm saying in cases like Giannis where he's the unanimous first team and he wouldn't have even made the cut. 
Like, like I said, they're going to have caveats. There's going to be special cases for special players. Okay. So, I just wanted to get your take on it. Cause and I, again, that's a tentative plan. So we'll see. And you might see Giannis not rest. He might play 65 games. And he was also hurt, too. He wasn't just missing yeah, exactly. games to you know, load manage. Yeah. Yeah, the whole point is to, if these guys are not hurt, I think that's going to be one of the caveats. If it's an actual injury, then there's a caveat. But if it's just load management, rest, that kind of thing, they're not going to make a special rule for you. Okay. I, ju- I just wanted to get your opinion on it. I thought it was kind of interesting. He must not have been paying attention a couple weeks ago when we talked about it. I was here. I was going to say, what, was he here? <laughs> uh, anyways. So how, back, about the, back to UFC. how about the post-fight? The WWE style. The failed WWE style. Yeah. When Sugar Sean came out in his bright red leather jacket. That Marab was shortly after. I think that was my favorite part about it. Marab stole the show. Yeah, 100%. Because the trash talk between Sterling and Sugar Sean was not good. I think Sterling did okay. He was pretty much in character. But he was also winded. Yeah. So he probably could have spoken up a little better. But that was the best O'Malley had. Uh, he wasn't prepared. Clearly. You're going to have to fight better than that. You're going to have to fight better than that. You're gonna have to, <laughs> you looked like shit. You're going to have to fight better than that. He said, he told Sterling, you look like shit. With he's wearing a championship belt around his waist, just beat Cejudo. He looks incredible. The man's totally shredded. Yeah. That's the best you got, Sean. Yeah. That's Come bad. on now, pal. That's a bad take. You're better than that. You yeah. can be better than that. He can. You can he, be better than he's that. He's such a good... you got to be better than that. He's such a good trash talker in press conferences and stuff. I don't know. Maybe it was just a spur-of-the-moment thing. And I, I think my favorite thing was Sterling, like, Dana's not going to help you anymore. Daddy Dana ain't going to do this. And I'm like, you know, I like that. I wish people would say more of that. Yeah, and they probably will now that we have uh, heels and stuff in the UFC. Got to sell. Absolutely, and... With the WWE still being as prominent as it is, drama sells. And hopefully with the upcoming press tours for this, I assume the next title fight between Sean and Aljo, they will hone their trash talking a little more 100%. in the press because 100%. it can't be as bad as it was post-fight. No, it can't. If it is, it's, you're going to be hard-pressed to sell people to buy that fight. Yeah. <clears throat> and then the only the fight that kind of also, other than Andrade getting knocked out, uh, her weakness is 135 Chinese chicks. Yeah, apparently. the hell out. Yeah. After with Wei Li and now Zhang Yanan. Yep. Um, kind of surprised there, but at the same time, not really. That was kind of, I think, either it was going to be a knockout. Either person could have done it. Uh, Bilal Muhammad. I know Burns was hurt. And I personally was calling for his guys to throw in the towel. Uh, they, ha- <clears throat> they should have, for sure. He was telling them, I cannot use my left arm. And every time he tried, they were like, oh, you just got to use the left hook combo. And he's like, I can't, I can't use my it. left arm. And even like on takedowns, he was wincing when that shoulder got engaged. Well, of course, yeah. And it's like, he couldn't, he wasn't at 100%. But I don't take away from what Bilal did. Not at all. Bilal fought a perfect fight. He looked unbeatable. Bilal's strong suit, and he's good at everything, but he's great at executing a game plan. Absolutely. He follows his coaches and his training camp to a T. And he showed that again. Again, even with a fully healthy Burns, that fight may have been a little different. I still think Bilal wins that. I do too. 
And the fact that he's not getting a title shot right now until after Colby does is, is a complete travesty. That's such a joke. But that's where he should be saying, hey, Colby, you're getting Daddy Dana's help. Yeah, because that's, that's the true. only explanation as to why Colby's fighting for a title. Although I do think his post, he said, I took this fight on three weeks. If I, if I had an eight-week camp, I could beat anyone. And he I, I he said, him. I could beat John Jones. And I think that's the perfect person to say you could beat in an eight-week because John Jones would dog walk everyone in the <laughs> UFC like he's done his whole career. And I love that confidence, and I think that was the perfect thing to say. And he needs to keep doing that. He's He's... He's finally actually promoting himself because he's not the most entertaining fighter. No. I love watching him because, you know, I'm not – I like seeing technique like that. Right. But now he's finally getting on the mic more, speaking out more, asking why am I not fighting for a title. He's on, what, like an eight, nine-fight win like streak? Ten now. Ten now. Yeah. And he's not getting a title shot until after Colby, who hasn't fought in like seven years. Yeah, hasn't ridiculous. won in like 15 years. It's ridiculous. Come on, man. It's ridiculous. Either way, props to you, Bilal. Props to you. Hopefully, you gain some more fans over this, I'll be honest, this card. I hope the Colby fight sells like trash, so Dana can eat shit on that one. Because I think fingers crossed. I think Bilal's slowly but surely getting to that level where he's going to outsell other guys in that division by a mile, especially after beating Burns. Let's say hypothetically, Colby beats Leon. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. And then him versus Bilal. I think Bilal. Absolutely schools him. Dog walks him, like you said. Very easily. But that should hopefully finally catapult Bilal into and a serious honestly, stardom. If Bilal gets that belt, it's going to be a while before it comes off. Yes, it's a good division, but he's he's kind of like Islam, where he's I think he's a step above everybody else yeah, in that division. Or like Adesanya, yeah. where to beat him, you have to land some freak nasty hook. And even then, his chin's great. So and he's, he doesn't get caught. No, he doesn't. Like Bilal's got great defense, both on the feet and on the ground. Yeah, I don't know. He's a scary fighter, especially getting up in the rankings and now a title contention. <laughs> With that, there's a small uh, fight night coming up this Saturday. Um, we got quite a while until the next pay per view. You've got uh, Rosenstruck and a guy named Jailton Almeida. I'm not familiar with, but he's a fourth ninety favorite. Wow. So probably an up-and-comer. He's ranked number 12 at heavyweight right now. We need more guys like him to absolutely bring some new life into that division. 100%. You got Anthony Smith and Johnny Walker. I love Johnny entertaining. Walker. Yeah. And you got um, Ian Machado Gary as the third fight on that card. Who I He's going to be champ here someday. I hope so. He's got swagger and technique to back it up. He's fighting Danny Rodriguez. So again, not a super sexy card, but definitely worth watching. Uh, next pay-per-view is Amanda Nunes and apparently Dariush and Oliveira, although I still think Oliveira pulled out of that fight, unless they rescheduled it for this upcoming card. I think they did. So that's, that's a great matchup there. Yeah, I'm really waiting to see that one. But outside of that, that card is lacking. And star power, but star it's power. always going to be a good card. And we are always going to play full price for every pay-per-view that comes out. You Absolutely. heard that truthfully, Dana. It's a fact right there, as we always do. If anything, we'll be the guys keeping the UFC running. You know, I might even just pay for two. Double just, down? Just out I of think generosity. I will. Man, what a guy. What a right? guy. Yeah. Sign into a different ESPN Plus on a different TV, watch them both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Maybe just throwing this out there. Maybe you buy it for each of our listeners out there. 
That's not a bad idea because every every one of our listeners does the same exact thing that we do. Exactly. We all pay that ninety dollars per fight night or per pay per view. Yeah. And uh, thankfully, fight nights are free. Or yeah, man, I'd probably be broke paying for these UFC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I had to pay for fight nights, man, every week I could do like ten bucks. I'd pay ten bucks for a fight night. I still think they should go to like a subscription service. Would you pay three hundred bucks for the year for every event? They would lose a lot of money. Maybe. They would lose a lot of money. Because you you're, you're paying, let's say hypothetically, maybe a casual fan won't buy the Amanda Nunes card, right? That's true. But if you're subbed all year and you get maybe three events, four events you might not pay for that you're otherwise paying for now on subscription, I think it'll even out if maybe not make a little more. I don't think so. I'm curious to see the like the amount of people that actually pay for the the pay-per-views like we do. And then those uh, those nasty gutter rats that use websites like Stream East. I don't okay. even know let's, what that is. Let's I, not I, throw slander out there. We can't promote these companies. Yeah, right. uh, I don't know what that is, but we're never going to mention that. We're going to cut that, no, actually. I, yeah. I saw it on Reddit, and it made me want to vomit. But uh, uh, I'm yeah. probably going to vomit after we finish recording here. But those, uh, those gutter rats, I want to know the percentage. Of how many gutter rats there are? Yeah, I do. Maybe we start hunting those people down. Maybe. And giving them a nice stern talking to. Exactly. No violence here. You can't be broke. Why aren't you buying cards? Come on. They're great cards. It's only $90, dude. Put your money where your mouth is. These fighters need your help. Exactly. Do you want fighter pay to change? Be the change. Exactly. Pay that $90. Put your money where your mouth is. Come on. That's what I'm saying. Want to go to baseball talk? Let's go to baseball. Bo Bichette. That was a rough one today, huh? It was. And again, like I said, my only gripe with him is... Just doing things he doesn't have to do. That wasn't and exactly a difficult play either. Not doing it. And the problem is, like, if he did it like Jeter, Jeter made a lot of plays he didn't have to do. But he did it at such an efficient level that it was okay. When you're having more errors than you are successful plays on those flashy plays, it's time to dial back that flash. Yeah, something's got to change there, Bo. Like, I get it. It looks great when it's done right. But it looks stupid when you cost the game because you want to do flashy stuff. I don't care if you're hitting 370 still. Exactly. You're playing shortstop, man. The most important position on the field. Move him to second. It's kind of bummy behavior, you could say. Some would say. Maybe we're alluding to something. Maybe a little, uh, what do they call that? Uh, Foreshadowing? Foreshadowing. Yeah, a little tease, maybe? Yeah, a little radio tease. We can add in a little foreshadowing Friday. <laughs> go with a whiz bag or whiz town Wednesday. Whiz bang Wednesday. Whiz bang and, uh, yeah. trivia Tuesday. What we got for Monday? Um, <laughs> Macanudo Monday. Smoking only Macanudos, baby. Yep. <laughs> Something like that. So a couple small stories before we get to pro ball. The Alabama baseball team was involved in another betting scandal. Apparently, they just had a conference about players and staff obviously not being allowed to bet. And then they were playing in Cincinnati, actually, at Great American. (laughs) And a very suspicious bet came in against Alabama with apparently the better had ties to Bama's head coach. So he's fired. He's gone. Would that better be Pete Rose? (laughs) Unconfirmed. But but you never know. (laughs) It'd be legal for him to bet, but if you're getting inside info, 
from the coach of the team you're betting. Okay, like, we're going to throw this game. Good exactly. bet against us. We're the favorites. Bet on the heavy dog. But I think more importantly, it shows that there are things in place to catch stuff like that. They're at least keeping tabs. I forget. I forget the name of the documentary, but I, it was about a college basketball player that was like top ten, and he was caught being involved in. Oh, like, Big George Foreman. Correct. Was that actually? Was that it? No, <laughs> oh, that's not the boxer. Definitely was not Big George Foreman. <laughs> I forget the dude's name, but like the way they did it was, they'd tell him, "Hey, you can only score this many points," and then they'd have a bunch of different betters go around and like pull their money. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to do it, at least do something like that. Like, yeah, don't that's make the it... last dance, right? No. Are you uh, giving out illegal betting advice? No, I'm just common sense. Well, I mean, if you have that knowledge and you're a legal better, <laughs> why not use it? Exactly. At least keep it to yourself. Keep it, uh, you know, semi-manageable. Yeah. Maybe let some fellows at Sports and Stogies know so we can have some successful betting, too. I just feel like it's common sense. Although not. I would never use that kind of information. No. Not alone. I am never. A purely, I am solely focused on honesty and integrity. That's one of my core values. So Two of your core values. Two. Uh, that's, uh, yeah. I combine it into one. Because it's just yeah. that big of a deal to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the, actually yeah. the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Besides Someone's safety. Saying. Open yep. communication <laughs> is also very important. <laughs> <laughs> respect. Mutual respect. Uh, yeah, and trust. Absolutely. But I think um, you can't have legal gambling everywhere and expect people in the know and in the game to not occasionally push the boundaries, right? Uh, yeah, that's kind of the natural flow of things. It's almost like you know insider trading, you know, guys in business or execs yeah, or like that have that info, but you legally can't use it, but you have it. Do I dare say Congress? Uh, well, let's be careful here, boys. Allegedly. Allegedly. We're not throwing any allegations here. Exactly. It shall be shut those down those portfolios, I've heard, are very, very, very heavy. Allegedly suspicious. I don't think they're suspicious at all. I think they're just very smart business people. Exactly. Uh, upstanding citizens. They, exactly. they just know the market so well. You know, their predictions. They're able to just place money and then somehow it works out. Hey, that's just the the gambling nature of the stock market. Exactly. Sometimes you win, you know, sometimes you lose. They're just exactly. lucky, and sometimes you never lose. <laughs> <laughs> You're just very good at what you do. They are just luckier than we are. Exactly. Yes. And one, one little fun story here, which could do a whole off-topic discussion thing on. Um, the Dodgers stayed in Milwaukee for their series at apparently a very famous haunted hotel, and Mookie Betts said, "Nah, I'm not doing that. I'm getting Airbnb instead, just in case." These stories are true. I don't blame him. No. Especially as superstitious as baseball players are. Mookie yeah. goes O for his next 16. He thought, oh, oh dude, a, a freaking ghost got my bat. It's possessed. I can't hit now. Yeah, exactly. I don't blame him at all. I don't want to stay in haunted places in general. You guys ever had any uh, any ghost, supernatural kind of experiences? Yeah. I have. Yeah. What's well, yours? Yeah, you go first. I've got good ones. You've got so. good Okay, so this was... A little bit after my dad died, like maybe a week, and uh, I was at home by myself, and when I went back there, everything was turned off, like doors locked, everything. I come out, every TV in my house is turned on, all of the doors to like the microwave, the oven, fucking everything is open. I call my mom, I'm like, are you are you fucking with me right now? Like, is this a real thing that's happening? And she's like, dude, I'm at work, like in Piqua. I'm nowhere near the house. And I was just like, what the fuck? 
Like, did you I, leave? I didn't leave just because I wasn't old enough to drive. Yeah. How old were you? Like eight? No, like 13. Oh, so you understood what was going on. I understood what was going on, and I understood, like, <clears> this <throat> it's dude. time to go sit under my blanket and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I just ended up putting my headset back on and trying to play GTA as if I had no idea what happened, nope, like, nothing two happened. minutes before. I'm totally sitting there like, normal. I'm just, I'm just dri- driving around, driving around, nothing in here. Nothing's watching. Nothing. <laughs> if you are watching, I hope I'm doing good. <laughs> I've got a couple. So... I don't know how long we want to do this, but I'll just start with one of the more, I'll do two. So one time me and my mom were the only people at home and she can back this story up because she was just as confused as I was. And I was standing at her bedroom door with the door directly behind me. So there was no room for anything to possibly get behind me. And we're just standing there having a conversation and a quarter just hits me in the back of the head. And we're just both like, like she saw something and I was like, put my hand on the back of my head and I looked down. I'm like, there's a quarter. I'm like, did you just throw a quarter? <laughs> like, I know you didn't, but I have to ask. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and she's like, I don't even know how a quarter could have hit you in the back of the head. Like it literally, there were, the only thing behind me was a door. There's no window in the door, no hole in the door, nothing. There was no way a quarter could have hit me in the back of the head. At that angle. No. No chance. Exactly. And then kind of a more intense story. Um, I was in my room. trying. To, it was late. I was trying to go to bed. And the neighbors had a motion light on their garage that would go off because stray cats and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sitting there. I got headphones on. I'm listening to music, watching YouTube on my phone, just trying to digress. I was probably 13, 14. And the light switches off, and naturally you look over there because it's a bright light. Instinct, yeah. And there was nothing there, so I'm like, whatever. I rolled over so I couldn't see the light anymore. It wasn't shining in my face. There's a shadow on my wall, like right. My bed is up against my wall, and there's a shadow right there. So I'm like, okay, that's a little sketchy. So I look back over my shoulder, and there's nothing there. And then the light goes off, so I just get back to YouTube. I'm watching on my headphones. And I'm starting to doze off at this point. And uh, you ever get that feeling that somebody's watching you and then you naturally just look around? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. So I get that feeling and I'm like, what is happening right now? And the light switches back on. And at that point, I'm looking over. There's nothing in the window, but my dresser drawers are opening and closing. What the fuck? And I'm like, okay. So I just, again, like I told you, like I thought you would do, I just put my blanket over my head, <laughs> rolled over and went to sleep. We're just going to ignore this entirely. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what do you do? Y- what can you do? Exactly. And then I, I guess I could tell another one, another prominent one. Uh, at this point, I was, me and my brother no longer shared a room. He moved out and in, the, in a different house than the one with the motion light. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching a movie on my Xbox and sitting there and the movie just stops and buffers and I'm like what is happening and then I hear like something hit the wall so I'm like what was that and then I realize that my Xbox lost internet connection so I go back and I look at it and I'm like okay the ethernet cord just unplugged itself and hit the wall so it got unplugged with some force it didn't just fall out and if anyone knows what an ethernet cord I mean, does you kind yeah, of have to press down you have to pull the tab it. yeah 
So I'm like, okay, that was weird. So I plug it back in and then I go back into my bed and lay down and continue watching my movie. And it happened again. And I'm like, okay. So at this point I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Mildly. So I call my buddy Calvin and I'm sure he probably remembers this conversation because I started shortly freaking out after I called him because he's saying he's a science guy. He's a very skeptic guy. So he's like, dude, there's no such thing as ghosts, all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't think I should be having this conversation with you. <laughs> like, so I plug it back in by don't play the movie. And I have my TV with my dresser, my bed, and then a desk. And on my desk, I keep water. So I had a cup of water, like a big stadium cup, Ohio State cup. And it was probably half full. So I'm sitting there on the edge of my bed, close to the water, having this conversation. And the water starts, the cup like kind of goes on the rim and just spins once and then sets back down. And I said, okay, Calvin, I'm getting off the phone with you and I'm going to call somebody else. (laughs) And again, at some point, I plugged back in and I turned back on my movie. And I was watching a scary movie, of course. Naturally. Yeah. And the movie was at a point where the screen is pitch black and there was like a demonic growl that was happening. And again, the ethernet cord slaps the wall and the, at the same time, the water's spinning again. So I was like, okay, turned off the movie, plugged the ethernet cord back in, turned on something else, blanket over the head, back to sleep. And I was like 18 <laughs> at that point. So that's just my go-to response to anything that I can't explain. It's worked so far. You're still alive. Still here. Exactly. That's some poltergeist kind of shit. Man. Yeah, that was that wild. Really is. I'm surprised that's not the one that you led with. Well, I like to build up. Yeah, you got to save okay. the best for last, okay. you know? Yeah. And that one's really unbelievable. Yeah. A quarter hitting somebody in the back of the head, that could happen. You could explain Situationally, your way out of it makes no sense how it happened, but there's a way to explain that, I'm sure. But the, the spinning glass and an Ethernet cable that you have yeah, to exactly. press down and pull exactly. repeatedly yeah. Yeah. getting unplugged. Three times. They say bad things do happen in threes. So, yeah, since then, I think that was my last kind of experience. Well, there, Other might, than there might be more coming up. Because I had a consultation with this guy, Matt Neubauer, from the Extraordinary Files podcast. He's like a legit ghost hunter. He's got some wild stories, and I think me and you are going to sit down with him here pretty soon. I hope so. And I discuss maybe going out in the field. Oh, man. Ooh. If he has actual equipment, I would love to. He definitely does. So, this guy's yeah, legit. That would be something I would definitely be open to. That's what I told him. I, I had one experience that we both went to at that one house, and I, yeah. I want to get some more of that. The the Bel Air house, one of the most ha- haunted houses in the nation. The Bel Air Demon House. In Ohio. Uh, I know the experience we had was kind of a joint one. Yeah, for sure. Where we went down in the basement. We were taking recordings on our phone, like completely unprofessional, no equipment, just taking pictures and stuff. And we went down in the basement, and we both sat down. For and the second time. No, it was the first time. Was it? Yeah, I didn't go back down in the basement again. You did by yourself. I thought we took a look the first time, briefly. Kind of nothing happened. And the second time we went down is when... When we did the actual... Maybe that was when it was. Yeah, yeah. But we both just felt like very severe anxiety and lightheaded and like we just couldn't be down there. This really is like oppressing weight. Yeah, it's like a very eerie, uncomfortable feeling. So I thought maybe there's like, you know, some gases down there, but your fiance didn't feel any of that. No. And she was right down there with us. Yeah, nothing at all. Went upstairs, 
after 15, 20 minutes, totally fine. Yeah. And then sort of toward the end of the night, I kind of got that feeling again, which is why I didn't want to go back down. I did go back down. Nothing happened. Didn't feel it again. But that was something I had not felt before or since, and I want to try and experience that again. So Mookie Betts, can't blame you, man. Absolutely not. Cannot blame you. A couple more baseball things. Rest in peace, Vida Blue. For that name. Um, he was the first pitcher to win, not the first pitcher, but he won Cy Young and MVP same season. Three-time World Series champ. The first pitcher to start the All-Star game for both the American and National League. How does that work? Uh, at different times. Oh, okay. They switched leagues throughout his career. Uh, but hell of a pitcher. Great dude, too. So rest in peace there. He's an A's Hall of Famer. And again, won three championships with them. Um, overall, though, let's talk about two teams totally underperforming right now. The Mets and the Cardinals. Yeah. Cardinals, my World Series champion pick, not off to a great start whatsoever. Um, they, they couldn't strike me, you, and Shane out. I don't think they could. Offense dragging, Arenado and Goldschmidt not hitting great. And again, the pitching staff is one of the worst in baseball right now. The Mets have lost like two, or they've won two of their last 12. Of course, they beat the Reds tonight. Naturally. Hopefully, Reds, Reds win tomorrow, where I'll be there, bright and early, 12.35 first pitch. Oh, yeah, have fun. We'll see. We'll see. Nothing like a day baseball game. Oh, you can't beat it, though. Get a nice sun, suntan going on. Uh, I, I burn now. Yeah. We'll definitely you're, lather you're up the sunscreen. Hey, five years working night shift, that don't happen. Yeah, you don't see the sun a lot, that's for sure. But it turns out building your rotation with 40-year-old pitchers isn't really the best thing. Really? Verlander's been hurt. Had a good start tonight against the Reds. But Scherzer's back on the I.L., looking like it might be a while. And overall, the lineup's not getting it done. You got Alonzo hitting 13 bombs, leading the league, but he's about the only guy performing right now. Pretty much, yeah. For a team that was supposed to win their division, if not maybe win the entire National League. I hate to say it, but do you see the Pirates slowing down at all? I have. Well, the Pirates have slowed down. They and the Brewers both. Which would mean, they come back down to earth. Honestly, right now it seems like this division's anyone's. Uh, Basically, the East and Central both. So In the West, the Dodgers are getting hot again, which we knew that would happen. Naturally. Uh, my boy Miguel Vargas went yard today. Back on the rookie of the year train. And then other than that, um, quick power rankings as usual. Rays 1, Braves 2, nothing new there. O's up to 3, the second best record in the AL. The Dodgers back up to 4. And your Jays hanging on at 5. I think that's completely reasonable. With yeah. our defensive struggles, it's really the only thing holding us back. Yeah, once your rotation figures it out, Manoa's been kind of rough lately. Yeah. Uh, he, I forget the comment he made. He said something about uh, talking about pitching under pressure. He said pressure is what you put in tires. And I think he's 1-3 in three since with like a 6 ERA. Naturally. But he'll settle back in. I'm not worried about that. I am. <laughs> Maybe you should be. <laughs> I am. Um, do you want to go over some quick hockey talk? Absolutely. We've had some requests for more of this. I've, again, we both watched a shitload of hockey. More than I ever have in my entire life. Combined. Last week. Your Leafs didn't get swept. Thank God. They were down 3-0, but they pulled off a win tonight. Three courtesy games like you've been talking about? Absolutely. Reverse sweep. It's only happened like four times ever. Well, you know what that means. And one of them was in the Stanley Cup Finals in the 60s by none other than the Maple Leafs. History repeats itself. So they say. Absolutely, it does. And it is again. Uh, my Oilers did win tonight. It's been a weird series so far. Uh, game one, Dreisaitl scored four goals. 
and they lost six to four. Yeah. Uh, but tonight they are up four to one, almost eight minutes to go here in the third. That'll be a two-two series, barring they totally collapse here down the stretch. Uh, but McDavid's playing pretty well. But Drysaddle scored two goals in Game Three. He's got six for the series. I think he's got like seventeen for the playoffs. Absolutely insane. And um, the Blackhawks won the lottery. They were, I think, third in the odds, at like eighteen percent. But they got it, which means the maybe the biggest prospect since, since McDavid. McDavid, Mr. Connor Bedard, plays currently for the Regina Pats or Pates, maybe who knows? It's Canadian. He's 17 years old. This season, in 57 games, he had 71 goals and 72 assists. As a 17-year-old. The next coming of Wayne Gretzky. Well, we already have that. Yeah, Mr. Connor Bedard. (laughs) Well, Connor McDavid. No. Oh, yeah. No, you wish. Getting a title this year. Uh, It's going to be hard to beat the Maple Leafs. Well, it's going to go seven, naturally. Mm, yeah, and they you guys are going to go up three zero. They're going to reverse sweep two times in the Stanley Cup playoffs, probably for the first time ever. Oh, surely never been done before. Um, the Canes up in a wild series. They're scoring like six goals a game. Yeah, they're up three to one. Dallas and Kraken tied up two to two. Uh, I want to say that Oilers get it done at least this series. To go all the way though, Carolina looks very tough. One hundred percent. I think either, I think whoever wins the Vegas Oilers series goes all the way. Well, you're supposed to say that if you think the Oilers are going to win. Well, yes, but, you know, that was my pick months and months ago. I'll be honest. I think whoever wins the Maple Leafs Florida series wins it all. Florida looking like the Heat right now. The Florida's looking unstoppable. That shouldn't have been there in the first place. Got him by one point. Yeah, in all honesty, Florida. Grabbed momentum from the Bruins and has not let up. And that's that time of year that happens. Yeah, momentum is a crazy thing, especially in hockey. Honestly, I think hockey has the biggest momentum factor in sports. 100%. Like, once you get rolling, even though you're switching your lines every minute, minute 15, that carries over. Uh, That's probably a very long shift. (sighs) Pretty much. I think they do, like, uh, sometimes it's like 15-second shifts. 30, 45. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? You go out there and get full effort for 45 seconds as like a longer shift. Yeah. You're back on the bench for five minutes. I mean, they probably need it. Absolutely. It's a very physically draining sport. You're giving probably all the effort. most physically draining sport. I feel like it's got to be. Because not only are you going full Maybe speed other up and down than the like ice. fighting. I okay, guess true. Although, uh, you get in a fight on the, on the ice. Yeah, that's true. That's going to do it too. Uh, give me one quick finals prediction. Uh, because you know, if you're going to stick by your leaf, so be it. Who are they going to beat? No, I think it'll be the Panthers in the finals for sure. And I think they're going to beat probably Vegas. You heard it here first. Let's go with our stick pick. Absolutely. I got to get a frame for all these. We're getting a little full here. Yeah. But then if we have them in a frame, no more stick pick. Uh, I can't frame all these. No way. Oh, we could. Well, maybe eventually. I think you're due. It's been a while. Why not? Let me reach in here. Let me mix them up. And he's reaching in. Eyes are closed. And he's got the West Tampa Tobacco Company. This is, I think, their Attic Series, which I've only smoked one of so far. 
They're a pretty new company, kind of boutique. Uh, but I've loved what I've smoked from them so far. So I know, I think Tip Top just got those in. I know Casa Aficionado had those in. If you guys see them out there, definitely worth a shot. Especially to go support like a, like a smaller kind of brand like that. Close but no cigar. Boston Celtics. Uh, Shane, why don't you take that one away? Uh, yeah, so closing seconds of game four, it was 115-116. Philly had just hit the three to take the lead. And Marcus Smart made what looked like a buzzer beater to win. And after review, comes back, no good. Sixers take the game. Now, Missoula's getting some flack for not calling timeout there. Do you let your guys play? Do you call timeout with 12 to go and draw something up? Or do you let them play to get something moving before they did? I think you have to call a timeout, honestly. Yeah. It makes the most sense. I mean, yeah, why not? I mean, there's a reason why people do it. You don't really see people when it's, you know, game four of what is sure to be, a, a, I think, a seven-game series now. You need that win if you want to have a chance. You, you've got the timeout. I mean, it doesn't make sense to just not use it. Playing out with 12 seconds left when you're down, I don't see how that could make sense. Yeah, you don't. There's no harm in calling timeout. No, and I mean it would be different if you're if you're up, you know. But like you need, you need to score. Or you don't win. It pretty much sums it up. Yeah, Marcus Smart. I would close. say that is absolutely how you win a basketball game. Yeah, is scoring. Yeah, okay. I'm kind of lost there. Could you lay that back out? So, say you're on the basketball court, right? Okay. Uh huh. The way to get that number by your team's logo on the scoreboard up is to put the ball through the hoop, over top of the rim, and then right through the net. Oh, that makes so much more sense now. Yeah. I've been kind of lost all post And unfortunately, the 76ers just did that more times than the Celtics did. Maybe one more time exactly. In regulation. Yeah. By like point, point 0.1 seconds. Yeah. Let's talk bums. Let's talk them. Take away the first one. Your boy. Who do we go? Oh, your notorious hater. You Dylan. hate this guy. Dylan Brooks? No. Oh, come on. Overpaid bum. Overpaid bum. Guy don't play defense. Throws up 30-foot shots when he shouldn't. Oh, Jordan Poole. Yeah. The one and yeah. only. The one and only Jordan Poole, as Shane made a case for earlier. Um, second bum, Maple Leafs. I mean, yeah, I get it. They won one, but you still pretty much got swept in my book. Well, for now. For now. For now. Uh, kind of falls into my first bum. The Oilers, besides Dreisaitl. I had that before tonight, which, again, I, they should win tonight, a 4-1. Um, but you have a guy scoring six goals in four games. Well, three games at the, at the time. Yeah, you shouldn't be losing. He puts up four, and you lose that game? Yeah. Come on now. That's pretty bummy. Agreed. And our last one, my personal favorite, Mr. Bo Bichette for his flashy, terrible plays. Now, you're going to go Cejudo, but you already made a TikTok kind of calling him out. Yeah, that, that dude's a crybaby. Check it out on TikTok. Crybaby Cejudo, I think, is what I entitled it. That could blow so, up. Hopefully. You check tomorrow and we got 13,000 views. Hopefully he wants to fight me. Great publicity. Let's say all three of us. Hey, if you guys out. are in my corner, we touch gloves, throw in the towel. <laughs> <laughs> Call it off. He's hurt. He's hurt. Yep. Look at his ankle. Throw in the towel. No, I think, let's say, let's say Shane, let's say Shane goes first. Yeah. 
how much time goes by until you're you're tapped out or knocked out. I mean, knock, knocked out, I feel like it's just how fast can he fucking hit me? <laughs> <laughs> you got the reach advantage. I've got the reach advantage. You got to use I'm, it. Come on now. Get in there. What am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, you're going to put your just, hand on his head like a crybaby Cejudo he is. <laughs> and he grabs your arm and snaps it. Exactly. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I, I think all three of us, two minutes tops. I, I said For I, all three of us, yeah, probably. <laughs> if any of us survive more than 30 seconds, I'd be extremely impressed. Yeah. So I think you've got the best chance. Just size-wise and just being able to sprawl like naturally, I probably do have the best chance, at least of staying off the ground. You've got like a whole foot of height on him. And yeah, his punches would be at the peak of their like extension, so maybe they lose a little bit of power. You could take some body shots. <sighs> Not one to the sternum, though. <laughs> That's where he's going. Absolutely. <laughs> he's gonna hit you with the box deer move, probably. And you're just all lost. You think you think of me and Cam are able to like wrap around him super fast? Like you go in as the distraction, me and Cam wrap around. Grab him just by the arms and let you go to town on his like jugular. Uh, now, if we're all three at the same time, I think we got him. I think so. I think three we, on one's tough for anybody. Let yeah. alone a professional fighter. He's a small dude. Three on one's tough. Are we? We, we also probably sound completely ignorant saying that. <laughs> it's not that wild though. I don't. Three think on so. one. Three on one's tough, but if there's anybody that's going to easily win a three on one with completely untrained guys, it's a trained guy. Not to mention not just untrained guys. Guys in. I'll speak for myself at least. Horrible shape. Horror. Terrible shape. I Awful. Mean, 20 seconds, I'm winded. Yeah. You boys uh, are on Shane's your own. a firefighter, so he's probably in the best shape. You should be. I would eh. hope so. Eh. You are. If, if I call you needing you to save my life, I hope you yeah. have a little bit of cardio. I'm, I'm in okay shape. Yeah. Like, it's more than I actually I don't expect you to take the ambulance. I want you to run. To you want me to run? Life. Yeah. Now, do you want me to run in bunker gear? or Like, like a brisk jog. Okay. okay. Uh, I can a leisurely that. stroll. Keep a steady yeah. pace. Maybe stop and get a Slurpee along the way. I probably won't. I'm going to be hot. you got to cool me down somehow. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> Drink up, buddy. Hell yeah. Give me a nice cool cool blue cool blue Slurpee <laughs> from, uh, from 7-Eleven slash Speedway. <laughs> I'm sad, man. I'm good to go. Exactly. Can't breathe. My lungs are full of smoke. But now they're full of Slurpee. Got that Slurpee, yes, baby. <laughs> a little Slurpee edema. <laughs> Cam, take us home, man. All righty. Like I said in the beginning of the show please leave a rating a review reach out to us with ratings and reviews what you think we should change what you think we should add topics we don't touch on enough whatever you guys have in mind to help us improve the show um and reach out to us on all social medias at sports and stogies tiktok youtube instagram twitter facebook uh, reddit wherever you want to go we're on there so just please don't be afraid to reach out we, I do very well at responding. Um, I, we kind of div- divvied up the social medias between us. So I can't speak for the other guys, but I know I do. I, th- I feel like I do a good job. Um, and we're going to try and post more. Like I said, Austin is in control of the YouTube shorts. So if you guys want to slander him on our pages, feel free for not getting the YouTube shorts. Maybe that'll drive him to either one, never do them, or... Like he does now, or yeah, I, two. I, I thrive with the hate, so bring it on. Or would amplify it to seven YouTube shorts a day. Oh, on the low number. So, yeah, don't be afraid to reach out. We always want to hear criticism and critiques, and we want to improve, and we want to still keep a show that you guys are entertained by. So, like I said, don't be afraid to reach out. And that's pretty much all I got. 
Well, boys, as we always say, S&S to, to the, the moon! moon.